Hello, ladies and gentlemen. As you see from the title, as you see from what it says there, from the tweet, if you came from Twitter, you see Shonen Ronin episode 36, my Here Academia chapter 349, JGK chapter 179, Undown Lug chapter 104, and One Piece chapter 1044. Yes, this is going to be a One Piece discussion. And perfect timing for us guests that just arrived that we're going to show our beautiful faces. Uh, right here. Bye. Legendary Vash, as myself, and Kenny, the straw hat Kenny, is perfect timing for, for today's coverage. And as a special guest for today is Anakin Smash. If he's here listening, throwing up yet, I don't know. But he just popped in, so it probably will give him a second. But how are we all doing today? Good, good. What's up, Anakin? How you doing? Hey, what up? Pulling up. I decided I was going to do this uh, before I did my recording. That way I could come in right away. Plus, I got a reflector for my birthday, so if I don't have good light, I'll just test it out like that. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine with us, man. Happy birthday or whenever it was. I don't know when I missed it, but happy birthday. If I'm correct, it was three days ago, right? Yep. It was uh, 24th. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice. Um, We're going to be talking about One Piece. Not sure if this would be a consistent thing on Shona Ronin, but I cut up over the weekend. Um, I took the I took the liberty to catch up from chapter 970 or, or 96. Well, I was... I paused on 970, but I reread the Odin arc since I was literally at the end. And I was like, hold up, what happened with everything that was going on? And then I had to refresh myself. Then from all the stuff that I've been spoiled about the past couple of months, like I kind of had an idea out of context stuff. Then I finally read it. And I'm like, I really need to know what happened in this chapter. So I, I just I just took the plunge. And I'm so happy good, I did. This is a really good uh, place to catch up from. That's like yeah. a really, really good place to catch up from. The rooftop, the, y'all. That the rooftop want to get you Yeah,レフィス。レフィス。レフィス。レフィス。レフィス。レフィス。レフィス。レフィス。レフィス。レフィス。レフィス。レフィス。レフィス。レフィス。レフィス。レフィス。レフィス。レフィス。レフィス。
fight sequences, but they do happen over a course of chapters. And so we're in that spot where if you're reading casually, um, you may not want to read for like a couple of weeks just to kind of give the fight some some time to kind of get through. But it's definitely about to pivot. This was definitely the pivot chapter of like, haha, you you've given me the way that we get to the next thing kind of thing. So I would say probably the next two or three chapters um, rush into a conclusion of what this could be and, and going to the next step of what this is, because obviously this has been like a build up ever since. Um, Ever since uh, basically beating the last um, season, this has kind yeah, of been yeah. like a series of stacking events, kind of pushing us closer to. I'm I'm assuming it's some type of timely encounter with God or whatever Man, entity that will be. We beat Uma Spring, which we weren't even happy about. I don't know, like I don't think anybody here was happy like when we <laughs> beat Spring. It was like, damn. All right, even Umas can be victim to God's machinations in this, right? And then, so, boom, unruined. We're like, damn, you couldn't like you couldn't even be happy that like, well, at least they beat this. Nope. No. And at then least we, at least we got best girl back. No, just then, then so, it was. Oh, by the way, since you beat the other seasons, you're still fucked. The ah! way I see it, <laughs> the way I see it with this with this series, it's kind of like it's kind of like a dungeon. You go each type of level up, like next level. You know, it's kind of like, let's say, yo, you go each to each level, one, two, three, four, but then each boss you beat, it just gets worse and worse, and, like, things the things don't get better for them. Like, I haven't seen, I haven't seen the Union or Andy shit going on, all this going on in the past 104 chapters. Like, when has shit gotten better for them? Like, it just keeps so, things so let's, keep stacking so let's up. Be, let's be fair about it. It's not that things couldn't have gotten better. It's that they didn't want to work together. And, and then when they were finally forced to work together, it was literally too late at that point. Because under they, they were stuck fighting under because Billy was like, I don't want to do it your way, Juiz. So peace. I'm out. I got my own organization. I'm going to take the tables. And then the thing that helped them was that these were open quests. Right. Yes. Like that did more for them Big than facts. anything else. Because it was like, okay, everybody can be involved in these conflicts. But and one, since we know that, like, they're going against effectively a fourth dimensional being, one that can, like, alter the rules of reality on a whim, and any rule that they have is purely a luxury in reality. Because, like, like we saw, like, the whole point was to avoid revolution and go spiraling into the sun. And then it was like, yeah, but you're still spiraling into the sun. I didn't actually right. want you to beat the 100th challenge. Yeah. And it's like, oh... Cool. It's, it's just it's interesting right because it's like it's also like this this god entity isn't all powerful because if it was all powerful why would there be rules or conditions why would there be any tests or checks to begin with so i feel like that's going to ultimately come down to something where god in and of itself is a ultimate rule kind of thing i think that's what we're probably going to end up colliding to ulti ultimate series of rules possibly that um it's just kind of something that needs to be challenged kind of and I think that's kind of like the whole premise is like challenging reality, which again, I really love Undead Unlocked for. There's so many things about the way that we look at power, seasons, logic of just like our world. And like, and it just it just completely challenges it. Like, and not in like an unrealistic way, in like a very realistic way. I was like, what if 
what if zipping did this? What if everything got zipped? <laughs> like, what if you right. had the ability to zip everything? What What would that look like? Part five, Gucciarati. <laughs> Just saying. Who, Sticky Fingers was my favorite stand out of that, though. Or what was his name? Yeah, I think he, I think he went by Sticky Fingers for some reason. Yeah. But, the, but what the I like about... <laughs> I like what you brought up, Kendall, about logic, because... I like how in every storytelling in any type of medium, you cannot predict human logic. You cannot predict humans. So I like how this chapter with, with this regulator sealed, he didn't expect to get affected by this human who is unhealthy. Like he didn't expect to get sick by him or sneeze or chew. That was something that he didn't expect. And that's what I like about the aspect in any type of series, in any type of storytelling is the idea of human logic. People, aka, with the villains in a way, they never expect something like that. And when he sneezed, that's when Andy was like, oh shit, that's something that he didn't even expect to get affected by him. Because he has used the other negator's powers, but him sneezing, he didn't expect that. So yeah. that's when Andy chose to get sealed. And that's when he's like, okay, if I get sealed, I could figure something out from the inside. And I like that very much because it reminded me of when Oob from Double yeah. GT, when Oob got sick and uh, wait, no, sorry, when Oob got eaten from Boo and he had to fight from the inside. So I love that very much. Like, I know not many people are fans of Dragon Ball GT, but I'm one of the stands of those. So I, I love that <laughs> little nice Easter egg for that. Like, hey, shit, that kind of that kind of reminds me of Oob and Boo right there. And yeah, that's no, it's, it's definitely it's you know I'm glad we started with Undead Unlocked too because this is yeah. actually gonna tie heavy into what we talk about with One Piece when we get there. But yeah, go ahead, Nikki. What I also wanted to highlight though is that like I really like this setup being like that's immediately what I thought of was like how when the Saiyans got absorbed into Majin Buu, you had these little chambers and all of them were like kind of locked within that, mm-hmm. and then you see that the Uma are awake. They're just kind of stuck and they can't really do anything, and they don't want to be in this position, which lets me, because we kind of had that discussion before uh, within the series about the hierarchy of Uma when they were talking about concept types versus, you know, just the standard run of the mill Uma and how they were like, oh yeah, concept types like to look down on those of us who are more rule-based, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And so this idea of regulators now coming into play being above even some of those Uma, like we saw the, the, the thirst Uma get eliminated and dehydration instantly vanished. So, or even the concept of being able to be dehydrated was gotten rid of. So yeah, it, it, these Uma specifically are very likely to now rebel against God too. Because, and we've already seen that if like Uma Spring, that Uma are capable of making friends. So if Lucy and Andy can actually help these Uma get out of seal then what reason do they have to stay loyal to god exactly. outside of being forced to because of programming and i don't i don't really think anyone is loyal to god at this point if that makes any sense i don't know think it think does of, think of our car think of stern writers and bleach think of um think of the uh the warlords in one piece like no one's they're not essentially out they're aligned to but not in allegiance with is i feel like what's really happening here and so I, yeah i i feel like alignments can easily be swayed based off of a strong enough conviction 
last thing I'm going to say on this is that I feel like Andy was a little too, it fits his character, but I feel like he was a little too hasty to get sealed. Like, I feel like there was a little bit more that he could have tried to squeeze out of that situation before he just was like, oh, wait, here's an answer. Let me run at it. And I feel like his, I feel like he's shown more growth than to be exacting this kind of logic at this stage in the story. But again, it's still very much on brand for Andy's character. And one of the things that I think part of this is based on is just the fact that we can see like Andy thinking this way, like this is partially like his recklessness being increased because of his desperation to get Fuko back. And that is now the priority of all, all anything else period for him. And so I think that it's a little out of character in the sense that we've seen him grow and start to like cherish that existence, right, exactly. but it's still within character because it's more like a trauma response to losing the thing that made him made want him to be right. less reckless. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I want to talk about with this unhealthy thing, because I was just talking to my girl about it with the the astral projecting, yeah, get, finding out that it's unhealthy, which that was, we were trying to figure out what this was, like in Undead on like group chat that I'm in, I was talking to my girlfriend about it, trying to figure out what the theory reveal was going to be, because I was like, it can't be unhealed because it has to finish to a point. And then we were like, we don't, how is, because you could see like traces of the lettering at the end of last chapter. Mm-hmm. So when we finally get the reveal for unhealthy, the way I look at it is, is that the reason why she was able to induce an astral projection state is that if her power is the ability to make herself slightly less or be unhealthy, I think she kind of can induce a false death state, which allows her to astral project. And mm-hmm. while that soul is exited, you notice she doesn't have snot bulbs or anything like that. So like the unhealth aspect of her negation can't doesn't apply to spirits because there's no measurement of ghost health which in turn makes you wonder if she can potentially pass plagues or inflict people with unhealthy conditions via astral projection, similar to how uh, unluck can be infused into Andy's parts, bullets that are then, you know, infused with his soul, and then he shoots those, and then those bullets are the ones that carry the unluck instead of his main body. Yeah, that's so why I think, I'm sorry. I mean, that's, that's definitely too. a thing, because you think about, like, again, I'm not trying to uh, think, but we on a One Piece thing, so I'm going to stick with One Piece. You have, like, you're, you, you know, we've seen this as a theme with... Um, Unlock, where your powers get awakened deeper um more so than the book the book projection thing what i was going to say is that the development of where the idea of unhealthy can go so yeah right. i think it would make sense to be like all right initial phase i can make myself unhealthy but with more power and control i can project the unhealthiness onto other people Sounds sounds a little bit like that sounds a lot more on brand because again these these powers are much so they're they're only limited by your desire to limit them based on your concept of what they are. Um, in the chat, Ava said, and this seems to mean that the second predator that came from the sun just went to ruin, but it makes it wonder what his deal was before that and what changes about him. So I, I was gonna actually yeah, get the same thing about that because. Because the ruin and Se- ruin just killed somebody in the last page, but then Seal said the one who will be the king of the games <clears throat> is he talking about himself or is he talking about ruin? Because I feel both- like he's definitely talking about ruin because he he basically says ah there's another one over there. I was ah, so the only reason I didn't put that on is because I promised I would do the trafficker thing on Thursday for Thursday stream. <laughs> <laughs> Nice the one, only nice one. reason, but you know what? I'm a, I'm gonna match you. Give me, I, you know what? 
I'll be right back. Little <laughs> 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 switcheroo there. I don't got no trough line, so I have a one piece. Um, I have a one piece snapback. That's all, really. <laughs> but yeah, but so, yeah. Um, it's it's very curious to see if Seal meant the one who would be the king of negators is probably meant for Unruin, because that's why I assume so. But I wonder if they both have the same objections. Well, to, the, the, to praise God. This is this is the thing that's interesting too, is because. Last chapter it was King of Umas. This chapter it's King of Negators, mm-hmm. which means that Seal has an issue to a certain degree with ego. That's what's going to bring up because he he had hurt his ego because of what Andy said. So now do you think he he doesn't want to be a Uma? He wants to be above the Negators and Uma, so that he wants to be above both of them. To a certain degree, I think that's kind of where we're headed. Where it's kind of looking like. The more, because especially when you think about it, Seal is also taking in these people. And I wouldn't be surprised if that leads to some of their personality being consumed. Yeah, and taken that's, into, that's, that's and they, maybe how that works with most. Yeah, so, you know, they've got their independence and they, they want to be free. So, like, that manifests. And because like when you think about it, even though rules often talk to humans and negators as if they're less than them, negators have far more freedom. Mm-hmm. So... It makes sense that as this Uma is consuming more people and is born as a regulator who is already something that's being placed above the Uma, that it's starting to identify more with humans and in the process will likely eventually get to a point where it would like to be higher than God. Because if you can consume all the rules and make them your own, then what's the difference between seal and God? Yeah. So it's kind of like the inevitable... I don't know if you guys actually um, ever finished reading um, Soul Eater, but that's kind of what, what ends yes. up happening with madness, essentially, in the world where um, Krona eventually, like, absorbs it to the point where, you know, they're about to become a kinship, but they're also innately human. And then that's when we find out, again, sorry, spoilers if you haven't <laughs> read Soul it, Eater. It's like 15 You find old. out the nature, yeah, but you find out the, you know what I mean? You find out the nature of what the kinship is. You find out the nature of what madness is in the world. And I think, like, again, that's that thing where it's like you absorb so much of the world right that the world then corrupts who you truly are i think that's definitely another plausible outcome for the next set of steps um creating a basically another super you know we're, we're getting a, a we're getting two different um antagonist villain stories happening simultaneously essentially agree because like who is the one like you know when you praise somebody like it's like for example when you praise your parents like you know mom dad but you have two kids. Which kid loves more? So it's like this is the way I see it with ruined and sealed. Who's the one that actually is loyal to God the most, but who actually wants their own freedom? Because it looks like sealed right now has more of its own ego, but ruin just follow and obeys God. It does, it kills, and also wants that fun. But sealed yeah. has its own ego that before, like you said, Anarchy. That last chapter said the king of or almost, but now is the king of Onigator. So is Seal hanging out with Andy now has changed his own mindset to become his own person because of what it has controlled all the almost and plus the human inside unhealthy. So it has gotten its own mindset now, or yeah. is it because of what's going on with this whole negators almost going around in Earth 
Or maybe that's just that's just the order of things. Like, you know, a lot of times when you see deities, there's always the left hand, the right hand kind of thing. So maybe, you know, maybe there's already understanding that there is a king of the Umas and there's a king of the negators and, and they have to basically coexist in some type of way, shape or form. That is an alternative interpretation of this too. And one of the things that I find interesting is that Ruin also introduced and like kind of confirmed vampires existing. Mm-hmm. So it's like we got another layer added to this too with the introduction of Ruin where I'm kind of glad that for this conflict, Andy and Foucault and the Union and under just everybody is kind of out of it because what this also opens the door for is just a ton of world building potential. A lot of dialogue conversation. I like that. Right. Uh, yeah. For us to kind of figure out what's going on behind the scenes because I, like Seal comes out and behaves and acts as if they're like this ancient being or a being that's always been around, but it's very right. clear that they have not been. So it's like that new Thursdayism where is the world actually old or is it just starting and everybody, everything that you have as a memory is just a byproduct of the creation of the universe and none of that was actually real. You never know. Yep, so yep. That's what that kind of reminds me of with this because that, and that's kind of how a lot of the rules with uh, it being implemented worked anyway because you think about how when they got the reward for language, it was done through a new Thursday approach where it was like everybody's language now switches to English. And as far as everybody but negators knows, it's always been English and that's it. And But that's what I hope happens next chapter that Ruin and Steel has this conversation about God, about the world, and hopefully is not cut off in a, like in a comedic way by Andy throughout the conversation like i hope we get like a fluid conversation about god in the world and we actually get to know what's going on and more of the world building and hopefully it doesn't get hopefully it doesn't get cut off just 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 for the comedic effect that's my hope for next chapter because i'd like to know more about it i'll say that we don't normally have to worry about undead on look sacrificing moments and stuff like that for comedy that's a something we find in a bit of more different series usually so it seems like we are about to wrap up with under luck any more last thoughts or any more theories for next chapter or overall about this chapter the outside of i think unhealthy is either going to have to be taken out of this body and like or we're going to eventually get something like the uma throws up and accidentally vomits like andy back up or something like that but otherwise because I think the unhealth aspect has to come into play and be utilized. And so that's about I th- all I got for that. I think I'll add to that that I think we're getting a combination of things that may need to happen in a certain sequence to kill Andy. I think ruin, the concept of ruin and unhealthy were to coexist inside of Andy, for instance, that he would be closer to being able to die if that makes any kind of sense. So I'm kind of I'm kind of just side-eyeing, you know, we've seen our girl Fuku kind of not be in the picture as much, but we start seeing a lot more things that seem like they could resemble, you know, we, basically we, we first we get introduced to someone who for whatever reason is Andy, but better. <laughs> That's kind of the way they sell Ruin to us initially. It's like, oh, it's Andy. 
with all the same powers but better and then that, we, yeah you know then we get introduced to unhealthy and it's like oh no one's affected by this except for unhealthy magically can defy all the rules of everything and can make people unhealthy even if they're umas <clears throat> so i'm 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 kind of i'm kind of paying close attention to these little powers that are getting introduced at this stage as i as i assume that we're we're heading in the direction of uh, eventual conclusion with this series i don't think this series is going to last another 100 uh chapters I, I think that would probably be probably even the upper limit of like if it did reach 100 chapters i don't see a reason for it to be drawn yeah. too much longer i don't i don't see unlock reaching 200 either i see maybe 150 180 max yeah 200 i don't see it unless they add some other god or they add some type of multiverse <laughs> or they add some type of universal galaxy type of gods like we're all here watching and i'll be like mm-hmm. okay this just became some type of climatic crazy amount of powers I'm okay with Undead Unlock being a shorter series. I because it feels like it's at that right level of success for a manga where Mm -hmm. it's gonna the author is going to get to write what they want to write. Yeah. Like now, now would be a good time for anime adaption to start being spoken about, even if we only get one season. I wouldn't even be mad if, like, oh, we got one season, manga sales run out, finish the series kind of maybe get a second season in like three years or something like i would understand something like that because it is a solid series it does deserve the love um but it's also it's not not to be rude or shady it's not jjk it's not pulling me in the hype the same exact way as or even chainsaw man to put it next to something else more closer in comparison so Uh, i think how do i put this undead unluck is good it's a series that has the ability to thrive but it is not, and this it's is not also Saturday not to, morning. It's not Saturday morning cartoon. <laughs> no, no, no. This is not to be shady to JJK and Chainsaw Man, but it's not as edgy based. It's not like, yeah. And yeah, if I'm honest, like JJK is probably the most meathead series in Jump right now. Like it's it's trying not to be a little bit right now, but it's trying not to be. But it, it ultimately it's a series that it is very much about the fights, mm-hmm. and like you can think about that with like Shibuya, where like on reread, there's parts of Shibuya that are like, did this fight really add much to the story? And but it was cool though. Can't even say it was character development. Like the inverse fight, that was just it was a cool fight. But we'd fought, we'd seen Megumi and Itadori fight other sorcerers and curses before, so it was just like a cool moment to see them collab. Yeah, and we Agreed. already knew we already knew about what happens when Megumi loses. You know, that's a spoiler. We we already know what happens when Megumi has certain things. We didn't learn anything at all about either characters because of that fight. Right, it was just there. Yeah, so like <laughs> to add. To add to that, I know what you guys are saying is like I, I'm fine with Undone Luck being a short series, and I don't know why people are scared with with Shonen Jump having with having series last two three years, and that's fine because that means you can have another rinse and repeat of other series to 200 300 chapters. Not every series need to be like One Piece, Naruto, Bleach, be like 600 700 thousand chapters no more. Nah. I mean, you're, gonna, you're, gonna get, you're also going to get it. more sales from, from a consumer knowing that I can look forward to your next work. Yeah. 
you know, oh man, this was really good. Oh, he's already working on it. She's already working. They're already working on another series. Oh man, and I gotta I, check that out. Well, and I think that's why Ayashiman has ended up in Weekly Shonen Jump because Jigo Kuraku was in Jump Plus, sold well. I love Jigo Kuraku. I love the ending. I was glad that, like, this is gonna sound bad, <laughs> but it was also a series like Undead Unluck that's at this level of it was at this level of success in japan that it made its sales quota it was able to be successful thrive the author got to write what they wanted to write and peace out but i also know that um when the anime adaptation comes out it's going to get some hate because it's apparently going to be only 24 episodes that's adapting 127 chapters and i know that a lot of people won't like the ending because the ending isn't let's whoop like a like a like the way the ending is structured is one to pay off all the themes it's built up and when your endings are focused around actually paying off the themes and the stuff that characters have been going for that can sometimes lead to people within the audience who were watching for something different being very dissatisfied looking at attack on titan as an example i feel i feel feel like people I, i feel like this is the unfortunate part where you're watching anime right to get to the manga essentially formula wise right I'm, I'm, i want you to watch the, the anime and be encouraged to go back and buy the manga yep. whatever however that's how they see it too as a business people yeah people don't understand that that's that's what that's what that's what the animation studio see this as if you look at a lot of animes you notice it doesn't say uh it, it will say inspired by adaptation of it, it's never it's never saying it's trying to be one for one with anything Yep. um you know and as i constantly love to knock on you know like i i really i really did not care for as a webtoon reader um god of high school being animated yes. we got high in a minute but but in hindsight like many things when i sit back and give it a chance to do if i had not read the webtoon and i just picked up god of high school it is fire yeah I wish I the fights were longer but just watching it like straight up without with taking off all my filters it is amazing. It, I, it was one of my favorite um intros from that year. Like it was the art was good, the color was good, the splashes were good, the, the fights the were clean, the choreography was on point. It just needed more episodes. That's all it, it that's all it was. It needed more episodes, it needed time to flesh like, out its own story more. And that's how I felt about God of High School, too. And we had a conversation about this, and I brought up God of High School to you a couple times, Bash. So I know yeah. part of you was like, we're back here on God of High School. But genuinely like we were talking about it in this in the group chat that was actually started by Knox from Project Manga so there's your full tie-in chat um but they uh we were talking about how Han versus Mori could have been the perfect finale for a 13 episode season yeah Yeah. and uh, like the fights are beautiful like that sequence was done really well you will never see me complaining about the way God of High School was animated you will always see me lamenting that it had the potential to be a series that could have run and made current, like just also like, cause sometimes even I look at stuff also from the angle of if I were running this company, how would I feel about this? And when I tell you that my business brain looks at what they did with God of High School and goes, Fumble the bag. You left so much money on the table. Fumble the bag, absolutely. Fumble so much potential revenue. Because if you had actually gotten the proper, like let's say the first season had just been that 13 episodes adapting like that those first 40 chapters, 
it would have had like that clean pace and we would have probably had like you know a lot of people like no god high school's really good god high school oh i can't wait to see that next season and then you would have got that i would have liked them i would have liked them to take the first Mm -hmm. two episodes to gauge the pacing of the season instead because i think even still after the second episode they could have changed the pacing out added a second cur and they would have been fine i think there was room to renegotiate but also, I don't see Webtoon and anyone else. It's the powers that's involved, unfortunately. Yeah. I, I just exactly, don't see them re- redoing what they would have had to redo. Is that? And then the, 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 the author didn't want it. So, like, again, if the author's yeah. not fighting the battle, you know, who's going to fight the battle? If you as a creator aren't fighting the battle for your own series, um, then what are you going to do? He was satisfied with it. And for me, for me, I was also happy that, as a fan, I got to see him get the love that he so desired from the audience on a global scale, animated wise, and still get the recognition from Toriyama and be like, yo, no, I saw what you did. You know what I'm saying? That's exactly what the director and the producer said. They chose to have 13 episodes. That was their goal. And they said that they wanted to change the stuff in the story that he saw fit. But I'm like, if people enjoy your God of High School webtoon series and they enjoy season one, why change up? Like, if you want to do pacing-wise, that's a big difference from you saying that you want to change the story. Pacing the story, you change, you change the wins and losses of some characters in the anime from the webtoon in the whole season one. So that's a big difference of storytelling. But yeah, I think I think Ray said it back last year or two years ago. When, when we reviewed God of High School, he said that Webtoon or Crunchyroll, one of them made the decision that if they do the anime and if it's good or not, it's going to motivate people to go read the series either way, like Tower of God, like God of High School, and like other series that got adapted that year when they promoted the whole year saying it's produced by Webtoon and by Crunchyroll adaptation. So and yet it sucks. here we are in 2022, and I don't see a webtoon original series on the list. The anymore. only one yep. that's coming out this year is season two of Inspector, and that's the only one that actually came out good. It's not. It like it's not that man. It's fine. Let's move hey. on to the next one. Yeah, Let's like we said, it, it, it was just a bag fumble. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, because I'm just. It was. It was three seasons easy. I don't care what anyone says. It was three seasons at bare minimum that they should have gotten out of just the first arc of God but, of High School. God of High know, School had the potential to be one of those eight, nine, ten year running series that for sure easily. But you know, fun. a good transition for this. If you want to talk about a good pacing, good story that happened with you, can if you have not seen it, watch JJK Zero movie because they did a beautiful adaptation of the JJK Zero volume, and uh, that brings us to the JJK. Chapter 178 and 179 mm. conversation. I, I, I want to see the JJK movie. movie so bad. Oh, you haven't you seen haven't it? Oh, seen I haven't it. gone to see it yet. And oh, I, I need to go see beautiful. it for one reason and one reason only. It's Utah. It had Nanami's world record is in it. <laughs> and I needed to see Nanami get his four black flash record. Ah, yeah. Yes. Because it's before it's good. it's good, man. When we were when we got that explained to us, because like they were like, Nanami was like, my personal record, it's four. Four black flashes. Yeah, no big deal. But I'm like, nah. How do you suggest it for anybody to go see JJK Zero movie? You haven't had the chance, go read the volume. Uh, the guys at Anime Lily Podcast, Kendall, James, and Sam did a whole review of two hours, some change of breaking it down, non-spoiler. And 
spoiler heavy of the movie, so go check it out. It has a great review, so I highly suggest it. But JJK, how did we enjoy the triple domain expansion? Man, okay. Like, wait, first of all, first, how do we feel about that cliffhanger at the end of chapter 178 last week? Saying that at the end, the triple domain expansion. How do we feel about the cliffhanger? Because that's some blue balls right there. I'm okay. Get... It's so, the movie. All I'm gonna say is it's the movie. That that is genius writing. That was the movie that was building into what was going on in the meta world. That's what that was. Like my thing about the the 178 finish is that I really really like that they all attempted it because from a character perspective and like from what we saw out of them, they were ruthless. They they wanted it and Utah. But that being said, when you when you show me three domains about to go off at once, with what happened, I understand it. It makes sense. But I'm a little peeved. <laughs> Cause like boy, what a bait and switch. <laughs> I was like, this makes sense having to make three pocket dimensions in one little space. Cause that's how like, I always describe domains is basically making a pocket dimension. Mm-hmm. Cause I feel like <laughs> just calling it a barrier is like a bit of an understatement for what it, it does. Is. And like, you can run to the edge of a domain, but a lot of domains end up creating far bigger space within them. Like a lot of domains are bigger on the inside than they are on the outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause no, like I thought it was, I thought it was gonna be bigger than this, and w- when it showed when it showed the barrier at first, I'm like, okay, that looks small. But then when it shows from the scale from the outside, I'm like, okay, that's a lot bigger than it should be. I'm like, that's good. But same I think it time, also it also okay. reemphasized the point that the the barriers dimensions are also controllable. So we kind of knew that from um, what's her name, sword technique, that it's basically a, a interpretation of the domain expansion. Like um, it was new shadow style when she was like exactly, 2.21 meters. New shadow style, exactly, is 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 an interpretation of the domain. However, what we saw was what I, at least uh, to the point it was never confirmed. I just assumed everyone had a fixed size for the way they were trying to use the domain. But no, they the two the two um enemies in this instance was like no, we need to create a quick fast domain. You know, I'm a, I'm gonna consider how much of the barrier is this and how wide and how quickly I need to assemble this as to not clash with the other barriers. So like, there's actually a lot of thought process in that goes into these domains that we were not previously kind of uh, spoken for only to just be teased about the domain ultimately in the end. That's what killed me. There was like, even just this amount of description that went into it. And it's funny because it's like, you know, it's written in that way because there was no other way for you to do this than to basically have it narrated to you. But then you don't get anything from it. I mean, and you get some you get some cool clashes and fights, but what I'll say is that I did like this explanation from the standpoint of we had already seen <clears> that like when they had the Dagon fight and Megumi pulled in and made his domain, that like okay, you can already negate the attack of somebody else just by trying to create a secondary domain. Right, and then we see that Megumi's work on his domain, which I also kind of like that we're going this route because it seems to me that. What we're effectively doing is making sure that each character can win in their own way. Mm-hmm. And since Megumi's domain played a, such a large part in his battle with the receipt guy, 
Gary, I didn't want to go that same route with Utah and then have him utilize the, the same domain all over, like do a domain victory too. Yeah. So it, it makes sense. And like Itadori won via just being a decent dude. So it's like, we know that that's not how this is going down here. And we're kind of seeing that play out with the savagery of this fight, especially when you think about the way like Rika just yeets that arm off. And like Utah is kind of on that ass this fight and we get that convergence or whatever. Right. And like thinning of the battle pool. But the idea that these barriers were created and then just erase each other if there's just too many stacked on top of each other. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, it makes sense. But it, I'd probably put the start of that at the middle or three fourths of the way through a chapter so that it isn't a cliffhanger into like, oh man. Nah, like, that's that's the point. Again, yeah, think about this from a reading perspective. Yeah. If I picked up a book and I finished right there, I would have been, oh, I would have been fiending for another chapter as we were. And then yeah, you got same. what you got in the next chapter. And then this chapter left on a cliffhanger too. I think it's just it's just a thing. You know, um, I think it's done pretty well. But the other, my other thing was, and maybe I'm being too critical here, but it's just like, we're going to create a domain before Rika can react. But it's like, we already know that depending on how a domain is set up, the, the external or the internal is going to be compromised in one direction or another. So it's never, you know, unless you're Gojo, it's well, never we going to be. Yeah, well, punch into one. that's what I was saying. They I was like, you're did. trying to. You were trying to tell me that Rika wasn't about to break whatever domain that you guys assembled anyways, was what I was kind of like thinking in my head. And then I was like, okay, maybe it's because Yuta is creating the domain itself that Rika would have maybe been a little more reluctant as to not inflict damage to Yuta. Like maybe that's what they were, but we never got the satisfaction of understanding that because they just made it seem like, yeah, we're going to keep him on. And I guess, you know, time flows a little differently. So they would have had enough time. And I'm like, "There's, there's no way you're 20 feet. 20 feet yeah as a human that sounds reasonable this is this is a demon this is a curse <laughs> or my <laughs> what's, guess what's 20 is that feet to they didn't expect her to come because maybe because maybe back in their time they never had somebody break in into domain expansion so maybe for them they don't know of how of how the current sorcerers can actually break into nah, like Utah like also Utah also that, that's like, my I feel like of why they said that in you know, those lines, you know, maybe they didn't expect Rika to actually just jump in, was my guess. I mean, Rika wasn't the one that broke the domain, so it was the roach, but Rika was a was a like you said, is a completely viable person for just showing up and being like, Yeah, no, you're not putting Utah in there without me. Right. And it's funny because it's written that way too, right? It's written as almost as if they basically was like. And Rika responded this way. And then you hear the line from, from the roach of like, I want the iron, bro. I want, I want the smoke. That's what the roach basically pulled up and said. The, right? roach, the roach pulled up and said, me, I want the smoke. Bring I like the me. taste of iron is, I want to drink your blood. I, I want to flesh. drink and That's what blooded. I assume because I'm like, I like the taste. I'm like, that sounds like very old school words of saying, I want the smoke or... I want the hands or something like that. That, that, That's some vampire talking. That is. That's some vampire talking. What what I also liked about this, though, is that the small detail of before going dormant, Kurorushi had produced, uh, reproduced by parthenogenesis. And the reason why that this particular block was so cool to me is because we talked about how, or like the series has talked about how curses reform over time 
And it, because that fear towards those concepts doesn't magically disappear. And so what we get out of this is effectively, if you're a special grade curse and you take a piece of yourself and you set it aside and you lay it dormant, the second you die, all that curse energy, instead of it dissipating nebulously and slowly recoalescing to a point, it will immediately go towards your offspring. Right. It immediately has a focal point to channel all the same curse energy that was ambient and helping to cause you to exist and immediately creates space for that uh, next curse to take the step up. Like, yeah. So the fact that if a curse is strategic enough, they can kind of do that, which also means that if Mahito had kept clones active, that kind of suggests that if the main body had actually gotten destroyed by Yuji, like but during that fight with Nobara, for instance, mm-hmm. and obviously I don't think Mahito fully knows this because he's a new curse and hasn't had a chance to explore his abilities, but that kind of suggests that if that had happened, then all the hatred and stuff that was aimed at humanity would have dissipated and then immediately gone into the Mahito doppelganger potentially. Yeah. And would have been or, able to still any, have Mahito Any around. residual curse that was nearby could have basically... Um, taking on the the raw emotions that were were Mojito's existence, yeah, that's definitely a valid point. Also, I see Project Manga's comment in there, and I I I I agree. We I I think Aniki said it best. This is a a edge lord of a series. <laughs> like yeah, everything because... about this is is written and executed in a way to to just be extremely edgy. And I think you're right. It's just taking the shonen tropes and kind of like dangling them in front of you and being like, all right, which way you think I'm going to go with it? Like you said, a zig for a zag, a zag for a zig kind of thing. Agree. Um, but that's good. That's good to me. I, I'm not saying that it works every single time, but at least so far in JJK, uh, Giga has done a good job of just being and- like, I'm going to show you this and I'm, I'm going to give you this. And it's never just like, it never falls flat. So it's never like, I, we're going to get the triple domain expansion again. I promise you. I bet we will. Oh, but yeah. it, it was like, hey, let me show you an introduction to this while rectifying something else that I really want to do. And I never feel like it's taken away from the, the, the intentional direction that Gege is trying to go in. I also want to say that Shonen Trope Subversion is getting a lot more common in this era of jump. Because I always refer to this, like, like people like, MHA and Black Clover aren't new gen. And I'm like, no they started what we can consider the current generation and a new generation lasts more than three years guys mm. so you know we got to go at least like 10 years before we want to call it a whole new generation of manga but one of the things that this current generation of manga especially within shonen jump is littered with is trope subversion from uh the way that a lot of the heroines are executed from nobara potentially being just straight up killed off instead of being used as a romantic lead to the reason like Ochako and Deku aren't having these confession discussions being more about them both having like career focused mindsets and setting that aside um, to where the only series that I feel like is still completely like tried and true to the shonen trope staples is Black Clover. Which is intentional in and of itself. It's its its own play on the trope by being so heavily uh, directed in the trope. But I think I think you're right. I was saying this um in in the uh, in the episode on Thursday. I was saying that basically, JJK took the the test bed of what uh, things like My Hero Academia did in the in the new formula, essentially as I like to call it. Then took all the best parts of things like you know Bleach, Naruto, One Piece, 
and JJK refined all of those things through the process that the, the, you know, that my hero and stuff have been doing. And that's why JJK works so well. Like it is, it is a, it is a updated version of some of our greats minus all the bad with a bunch of new additions. Like there's so much hints of nostalgia, but it's also still really refreshing and new to its own way. And plus to add to that, it's like not to throw oh, yeah. shade. Kaiju number eight. Oh, and, we didn't put Kaiju number eight on the list. Did we get a chapter this week? Um, uh, we got a chapter two weeks ago, but yeah. um, there's a new chapter coming this week. So yeah, because they're I mean, on like, like bi-weekly to sometimes once every three weeks to sometimes once a month. One yeah, well, once a month, whenever yeah. they feel like taking a break, they take a break. <laughs> but like not to throw shade to Black Clover, for example, like that's why like we get it. You're in a new generation with my hearing and everything else. But with Tapata doing the short chapters and also doing the same trope of showing it, but you're not changing it, it up like JJK, like my hero, it feels like you're just not up in the same contenders like other series. And that's what for some people, like there's some black horse stands out there, respect. You could love the series for what it is. For us that we already have seen the news type of storytelling with the same shonen tropes, like we've seen in JJK, my hero, and other series but have changed it in their own style. It's like, we want some fresh blood, but we also, with that fresh blood, we want some fresh storytelling with the same trope. And Man, then we're, and being, we're being conditioned if we're, if we're being very 100% with ourselves. It's the same way isekais have taken over the current meta of what it is. Ugh. That was a very intentional decision by the anime community. And now a bunch of series that I don't care what anyone says in another time would never have gotten the light of getting an anime or currently getting animes. Oh, yeah, no. Like a lot of the isekai that like come out, it's like, huh, that was greenlit. Right. All right. <laughs> right. But y'all cancel Samurai a healer. You, you cancel Samurai 8, but um, redo of a healer can get a whole uh, series. <laughs> it's fine. Two seasons, right? Two seasons? I was told something like that. Like, <laughs> Which Samurai, okay, so this is what's funny. Also, it's funny that you mentioned Samurai 8 while Knox is in the chat, because I'm pretty sure it's usually Knox who's running the Project Manga when he shows up in these streams. But yeah, uh, yeah that's, that's mostly him. Knox, that's, Knox the, manifested uh, it. <laughs> that's the series that Knox and I ended up like talking and kind of like forming our friendship over because I was disappointed in a lot of Samurai 8. And I think it, the thing that really hurt Samurai 8 for a lot of us as readers, especially in the West, though, is knowing so many series got axed way before like the point where Samurai 8 was allowed to grow, mm-hmm. where it just felt yeah. like this is hardcore preferential treatment for one of your authors. And then and then just when it was starting to get remotely decent. Be good. Like around, I think, chapter like... Just when it was like... I was like, oh, I am now actually interested it? in the story. I'm invested in... Oh, never mind. It's canceled. Yeah, because like we got the introduction of the Goku dude um one of the people like one of the characters that i liked was the one who like and we left them behind like and i should have and to me we should have taken them in space but the person who didn't know what gender they were they just talked like each hand i thought that character was actually fascinating we just left them behind and then only for them to be revealed in the end that the like the samurai seven were the samurai we made along the way and that was supposed to be an important character so i'm like ah you probably should have let that person come along that same because like they were especially because they were in a similar position to Hachimaru. So it was like I, I think the other so thing lasted for 43 chapters. And my, a lot of series around that time got axed around the 15 or less than 20 15, around that time. 15 to 20, 15 to 20 people was getting either getting greenlit for a couple more or they were getting axed left and right. 
I think my other frustration was that um, Boruto was handed off. Yeah. For you to take the reins of Samurai 8. <laughs> and quite frankly, I, I don't, I won't say I hate Boruto, but they both were mid. Yeah. I, and I'm mid might be stretching it. <laughs> Lower tier mid at best. Um, and Boruto is still trying to now refine itself. Um, again, I just I just feel very slighted. I would have rather I would have rather get in. We could have got Samurai 8 and Boruto. I would have rather him just take Boruto's realm or or helms basically from the beginning instead of waiting till they got to this critical point where again. I've been reading it. I'm already invested at this point. I'm going to probably continue reading it because it's not terrible, but it does feel like I've been, I've been again, kind of like with Samurai 8, I've been pulled unnecessarily in a direction and not satisfied. There was no reason for Boruto to be a 600-page series. There's just absolutely no reason for it. There was enough premise already established, a world that you already built out, completely built out, even if you wanted to introduce something um, as far as new age technology, which you then don't dive back into fully. And every time you try to, it's it's for half of an arc. Like, it, I just don't, I don't really see, again, and I, again, I, I don't hate Boruto much to like other people's thing. I'm not going to talk about it fondly all the time, but there's actually a lot of great, unique characters, which is surprising. You wouldn't expect a series that directly takes from its own world to create another series or generation of really good characters, but then you don't get to build on that. You get good characters from other villages. It's like, oh, are you going to give us other villages? Nah, not really. We're not going to come back to that. Oh, okay, well, whatever. Are you going to go and expand on the on the team? Oh, no, we're not going to do that. Okay, well, there's descendants of people from the previous gen that, that are a little bit older and not in this class. Are you going to expand on them? And we'll give them a little side story arc here and there, but we're never going to flush out that character. What are you doing? What is this, <laughs> what's this series about? Like, Boruto is weird for me. But we're in the JJK section, so I'm gonna bring it back. We are. Bring us back. I'm gonna bring it. My question for you guys, real quick though, is that we know that obviously Ishigori went for the kill, but are we gonna assume that Uro is truly dead? Because normally when somebody dies, we get the point update total, and we didn't get that for Uro. Reframe, reframe question. Uh, so she does seem dead in chapter on page sixteen, but. We don't see the count, so you are right about that. It could like, pop up next chapter, maybe, but as you said, it didn't pop up, so maybe she's not dead, just heavily injured and put to the side because maybe Yuji just wants to take him out next and after come back to her. Is the question just, are they dead or not? Um, yeah, like, are you counting on Udro to be dead? Because it looks like the, the Roach got exercised with reverse curse technique anyway, just like the previous one, so that, uh, whatever. Boy. That was funny. The way that is drawn is actually pretty funny. I, I don't, I agree. I don't think that they are dead. I will stick to the, the rule of thumb when it comes to anime and manga. If they didn't die on screen, I'm not going to assume that they're dead. Uh, so I, I, I'm going to say no, but I think, I think that was intentional. I think <clears throat> there, there was need to separate the two fighters. Um, and I think Yuda is still trying not to show full extent of power. And I think that's kind of what the play on here is that Yuta is still trying to not show the full extent of their power. But that might not be the case. I don't know. It seems like it seems like homie wanted the 1v1. He was like, oh, yeah, thanks for taking her out kind of thing. Or thanks for taking them out. It seems like he wanted that one-on-one -on -one smoke. Ishigori seems to have been wanting that one-on-one -on -one fight the whole time. And yeah. 
Euro was most worried about the cockroach, but we see that Euro was able to, you know, literally grab the beam, spin it around and toss it back at him. So him finishing her off made complete sense. What Mm -hmm. I'm curious about, though, is that we've already seen him pull out the hairs and, you know, make the shikigami like he did from drug or whatever. Mm -hmm. So Yuta's seen Euro's technique a couple times by now. We see that at the end of obviously they're saying it's not replenished. But that kind of gives us the chance at any moment for him to copy and utilize, you know, what she had. Or also he should be able to use Granite Blast as this fight progressed. But I kind of think Yuro has to be around because of the whole Fujiwara thing. And it kind of feels like obviously Gege doesn't owe us an explanation on the Fujiwara and giving us a bit more history. But with us constantly bringing back these old school sorcerers, just like the contract dude was an actually old school sorcerer. And it mm-hmm. was easy to not see him that way up until he does like the hollow wicker basket thing where it's like, nah, dude, this dude has to be from the old era because this isn't even simple domain. This is a domain skill specifically designed to remove sure hit techniques, not just cancel them out entirely. So and plus for the same thing that I hope we find out more about Yuta because from me watching this movie this past weekend or last week was it, um, it reminded me of how much Yuta, what Gojo said at the end, that good that Gojo and Yuta are long, 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 long last, long, long lost relatives. relatives. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious to see if we're gonna find out more information about that in this arc involving the Cunning Games from the past people knowing about Yuta's old predecessors as well would that be intriguing for you to know more about Yuta's history or you guys are don't really really care I'm I'm okay with not getting all of it right now I'm also I'm also of the mindset I don't even know if the cockroach is fully gone um I I I do think there was reverse curse energy there but I mean that could have been some this man can store energy inside of Rika. I don't know what just happened there. <laughs> um, so it's just, there's so much potential with Yuta. I really love it. It's a very fun character. I just genuinely, I'm not sure, just based off of this chapter anyways, I'm a little, I'm kind of like, a, mm, I don't really want to run to a conclusion or another at this point. I am very interested in kind of seeing just what the next two chapters specifically, the, specifically the next two chapters I think are going to be interesting. I don't know if the fight's finished in two chapters, but I, I feel like the next two chapters are going to tell us a lot about everything that's going on, specifically with Yuda and what this fight is supposed to be. Yuda does a lot of self-narration early on in this fight, and that's kind of departed at the moment. So I'm, I'm, I'm assuming at some point Yuda's going to start kind of like talking again and assuming control. I don't feel like Yuda's lost control, but that's the thing, as I feel like Yuda's been in control of this match the entire time. Oh, yeah, he definitely has. Like, he's the one that's and been... He, he knows he has his own goals to set. Another reason I think Uro's still alive. I think Yuta has their own plan on what's supposed to be happening right now. And I think Ooh. that's why the fight's playing out the way the fight's playing. So, are you saying that he's choosing who to kill and not to kill yet? Because he has a purpose of wanting to kill each person because he wants some Yuta, type of information? Yuta has his own plan that is different than the current plan that we have been told is the plan that they that they're going for. That was made very clear when Yuta came on the screen again. He was like, I'm gonna, these rules are cute, but I've already thought about other rules that we need and they're just as important. And Yuta has full intents to go around and murk as many sorcerers as he needs to. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing about Yuta that 
I found fascinating about this. He was just like, yep, I guess I'll kill 80 sorcerers. And he has no palm, and that's what, like, <laughs> I like Yuta, and um, I think I was on the timeline a couple of days ago, or I think it was on the podcast that I heard you guys talking about that. I'm fine with Yuta not being a main character, but now him being part of the main story and friends with Yuji, I'm happy that he's like a good supporting character, not a main character like Megumi, but a good type of supporting character to help Yuji with his goals and with the culling games. But he's but he is a good additional now where he could do the dirty work, but also has the good personality for him to like Gojo and everyone else. And then that's and that's so, collab. So Utah Utah is basically Shanks. That's what Utah is right now. I'm gonna keep throwing back these one references because this is one day. No, because interesting no comparison. No. Utah ain't no snitch. Don't do my he boy like he that. Ain't, he ain't no snitch, but but don't, get me about don't get me wrong. It's, not, like to it's me. not. It's not. It's not about. So he's not quite a teacher, but he has this great power and influence over what's going on in the world, and that's why I mean by he's like Shaq. So what are you? He's not gonna stay like constant in the story. Yeah, Rayleigh might be a little bit more apt of uh, of a reference. So he's more like, but they to me they're the same type of character in my head as far as their role in the story. So yeah, Rayleigh. Uh, Shanks, these characters who show up at pivotal points, they're super strong, super relevant, but they're not the main focus. We're never going to get a whole backstory about Rayleigh because he's not part of the generation of the storytelling that's happening. Yes, we love seeing Marco, another example. We love seeing Marco on the screen, but we're never going to go and dive back into Marco's origins or whatever. That's not relevant. Even Jinbei. Jinbei, we're never going to get some super, super, super deep back. No, Jinbei's journey has happened, and they even say that. I've had my journey. This is the role that I'm going to take on now because I've right. in the straw hats. And like Jinbei being a warlord think, was a byproduct of him being like, I've gone on my journey with Fisher Tiger. I've seen the ways that you can protect the fishermen people. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get political power for it. Yeah, I'm gonna do this my way. So again, Jinbei, Marco, Riley, again, think of all these other great characters who you wish would get flushed out. You know they're awesome. They're super powerful, but realistically, they're not the main character. Just Use like you know, kid novel win. Yeah, just just like you know, some of y'all want Kid and, and Law to be the main characters of the story. Just like I think Zoro's actually the main character of One Piece. <laughs> you, you know, that, yeah. Uh, oh my goodness! But you it's tell not. Me I was with it's one not of those. true. <laughs> it's not true. No, I like I like I like Luffy. I just I just really like Zoro. Understandable. Understandable. But with the JJK chapter itself, so we have some good thoughts, some good third discussion that we gave. Any last thoughts before we jump into my hero of the two brothers of fire? Man, as far as I'm concerned, what I what I need from this is more or less to figure out one, I want to know if Granite Blast and like Ishigori's high curse energy value are tied together. Because if that's the case, then Yuta being able to properly copy his technique in theory, would give him access to even higher reserves of cursed energy, mm-hmm. which we know he doesn't really need, but a buff is a buff is a buff, and he's <laughs> explained that he has more cursed energy than Gojo, but Gojo effectively has higher mana regen, so... And yeah. I like that, that... Which, which I, I'm sure affects the technique. I'm sure that just affects technique. So yeah. the question is, is it a right fit technique-wise for him? another thing because if it's just if it costs too much mana he might not ever want to use it 
which I also like the fact that we got the conditions that let us know that domains, that's the other thing that I want to kind of to talk about is curse techniques not being fully operable after you utilize a domain. Yeah, that was, that was, I'm glad they, they kind of hinted to that, but I'm glad they specifically explicitly you know, fleshed stated that. You know, explain it because that was my thing is that what happens if you do a domain, like are you flesh out of curse energy to do curse technique or do you could, or could you only do curse energy because you, you have to replenish your curse technique? Right. And then we never had a clear picture because our, our two main references are the unstoppable Gojo and uh, Megumi, which we know that it wasn't up full on. So there was bound to be kickback from Megumi regardless, just yeah. based off of the nature. So we never had like a true concept flushed out there. So yeah, I'm definitely glad that they they kind of was like distinctively like, no, you. there's a moment, even if it's just a moment, there's a moment of you can't. And it's not just like, it's like you basically you can't do anything <laughs> and is what was said is like you don't have access to it what i'll say also makes megumi's domain unique too now is that he doesn't actually create pocket dimensions anymore yes and that's he why that's he picked true. the gymnasium because he was like boom i can just slap my shadows and this is it which is which means that while sakuna wants something that megumi has the principles of Megumi's domain are going to be similar to the principles of Sakuna's. Because mm -hmm. Megumi's domain isn't, doesn't give him a surefire hit and it doesn't create its own dimension. So mm -hmm. like while technically Sakuna still has like a surefire hit, if the Chimera Shadow Garden works the way it seems to, then Megumi gets around the surefire hit by just being able to make enough duplicates that you still get hit. Yeah. Because he made a bunch of frogs that bound him instead of it just being a single frog yeah yeah because like, i think part. i think the ultimate completion of his form is that he's always present and never present in the shadow yeah which means you would never be able to hit him he'd literally effectively be unhittable in the complete form of his domain that yeah i think you're right it turns into megumi can weave through shadows any shadow at any time because he can already do the fading in the shadows just because thing mm -hmm. So all that means is like upping it to another level and probably letting him just like kind of use shadows for teleportation. So he mm -hmm. can kind of pop up wherever because we know that Gojo uses teleportation spells too. So mm -hmm. at that point, shadow travel and being able to just pop things out left and right is the new thing. And the thing about his domain is that it'll make it so that he has unlimited Shikiyama, which yep. explains why it's the bottomless well. That which would be cool if he, could well, rebirth, if he could birth if he could also birth shikigamis because we know that his shikigamis are birthed specifically from the shadows it'd be interesting to see if he can create new ones that have never existed and different stuff we don't know if this domain expansion is unique to we assume so based off of the nature of things unique to him but is it unique to the power because this power isn't unique to him this power is inherited power well, so it'd be it'd be nice to kind of learn a little bit more about that. We do we do know that when he combines Nue and Gamma, that he creates those winged frogs. Those winged frogs. Yeah, and that's where the bottomless well term first came from. And he can make infinite copies of those. So I kind of want to see him combine more Shikigami in the future. Right, but can he only combine Shikigami They're that small? existed prior to? No, my thing is the prior to him forming the domain, or can he create all new ones in the domain? Because if he can create if he could create all new ones inside of the domain yeah, like, because again because remember it cycles right so if he destroys one now they fuse together to make a more powerful one which would mean effectively can he then split into something else can he create a brand new one to add to his pot and if I, he I does add it to his pot too. 
if he adds it to his pot, is it limiting the power or is it no? I can just create another new one. And if it dies, they'll just fuse together and they'll just, he has a constantly evolving that it will, basically his power will always upscale is what I'm kind of envisioning here. Because he lost the snake. Yeah, he did. So my question is, like, does he never have a new snake? Does he only get those nine? Does he only now get the two divine dogs? Because we know one of the divine dogs died too. Right. And now we only see the black one. So, which is the fusion of the the snake, the dog, and yeah, again, it's it's yeah. this, it's a chimera. Like again, the 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 name the name is apt. Everything about the name is super apt. But my thing is, does it just keep fusing and defusing, or can again? My my big question is, can new life be spawned from the shadows? That is my main question about his domain. Because for me, like, like we mentioned, if he can make those frog bird ones, I want to see him maybe do one where he throws up the hand seal for like new way and then he throws up maybe the hand for the seal wolf. for like for the wolf or max elephant and then max all of a sudden elephant, you get yeah. like a giant elephant that does some other stuff and hell yeah that'd like be intriguing like the giant elephant the with the just, wings i'm like the, the snake the elephant and the 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 new way turn into a dragon like that's that's what i see <laughs> yeah. like real talk which would pay off that Shibuya shadow where he had like what looked like a dragon trailing his shadow. Mm-hmm. And I've been mm-hmm. waiting for something to pay off with that because it wasn't Mahogara, which fun fact, there was a time period where if you Googled Mahogara, because so few people had theories and talked about them that it would actually pull up one of my tweets. It's like the top three things that you would get. Nice. No shit. Nice. My one thing I hope we get to see that we didn't get it is Yuta Domain Expansion. Like, I would like yeah. to see how it actually looks like. Does it involve Rika or does it involve his type of copy techniques that he has done over the years? Because he's technically his second or third year now. So it's been a year or two since he has done around the world. Curse energy and curse energy has improved since the movie. So I'm curious to see how much he has improved in his skills. So, like, we know how good he is now, but I'm curious to see when he's at 100%. Because we, we saw when Rika, when he acts, Two chapters ago, hey Rika, I want all my power. So I'm so like we're seeing skill set as close comeback fight of Yuta, but I want to see curse technique and curse energy fully 100 percent with domain expansion. How does that look of Yuta? So I I think I that's, that. that's super that's super trump card, and we're either gonna get that whenever Gojo becomes a factor again, or whenever the final fight of whatever this arc is whatever the tournament's final fight or arc is where it's like necessary it's i don't think it's even going to get used in a fun way i feel like and i don't say fun like it's not going to be animated well i think it's going to be used more so off of a technicality than off of like a necessity i feel like it's just going to end up being played out that way all right so now let's jump to the flaming brothers uh, Anike, I, I would like to just start first since you did a full stream of the church and i don't want us to repeat anything that you said so what do you mind starting on first? All right. So look, the main things that okay, so there's a couple. First off, I'm glad that we're finally getting Deku using Air Force for travel. For like straight up flight. Um makes sense finally. Because th- believe it or not, one of the things that I have talked about extensively is how having access to Fajin should give Deku access to repeated higher tier Delaware smashes that he can use for propulsion. So finally seeing that utilized and him kind of just boom, 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 like 
just generating it. I also like the fact that this is drawn similarly to Bakugo's explosions. Oh, mm. uh, so neat. yeah, finally, just him utilizing these Air Force for continuous flight. What the one thing I'll say inherently because I'm disappointed we don't have a stop clock going. Oh, that would be so much fun to read. Part of the reason for chapter. that oh, is because when Muriel, yeah, yeah, when Muriel <laughs> beat the class's ass, we had a stopwatch going for that. So we could see, like, you know, he's been doing this five, six, he beat most of these people in like five, six seconds. Mm-hmm. And the reason for this is because I did this math and I, I mentioned it in one of my, the chapter review, I think for 347. But mathematically, if we take the time that it took All Might to get from Camino or to get from the bar to where he fought all for one during Camino, he, it was stated to take about 30 seconds, which means on the high end, it would take him about two, 20 minutes to get from where Toga was to um, where cool. the main stage, the UA is. Yeah, UA is uh, floating. Yeah, right. So that would take about that much time. But we also know that All Might issued some orders, fought some Nomu, and did some other stuff. So it could take him even less time, which all the way on the low end, I think I managed to calc to, like just based off Camino Might, around three minutes and 20 to three minutes and 40 seconds. Mm-hmm. And if you remember, like when we had the the war arc, Miracle was only in there for about five minutes. So it making like taking like five minutes for Deku to travel across, you know, this distance. Even if he's saying I'm not fast enough right now, it, it's it's worth noting that him being able to navigate that range and get there in three to four minutes would be something that would be nice to see and just give us an idea of how much progress he's made in comparison to where All Might was back then. You know what I mean? Also, also the destruction of what's going to happen over those three minutes while he's out of combat. It right. magnifies, it, it would so magnify the effects of everything else that happens in that time frame. And then as you're cutting to different fights, the timer would change. So it's not like at three minutes, the three minute mark here isn't going to be the three minute mark somewhere else. So like you can track better what's going on and when it's going on. I, I, that would be dope. If they if they do this after this after this episode, just, just remember Anik said it first. And then what I also wanted to highlight, though, is throughout the entirety of the Deku Far From Home, what some people like to call Villain Hunt, which is still like the worst name that you could have given that arc because it evokes the complete wrong mindset of what the arc is about. But during that stretch, we've got him awakening the third user's quirk. And one of the things I talked about is if you looked at the room, before class 1a came back we got to see everybody was sitting down in their chairs but the second user mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then it was when Ida took you know Deku's hand and he's like he needs allies it was once Deku accepted the help of his allies and accepted his role as a leader again more or less or started to accept his role as a leader is when he seems to have gotten that approval from the second user to finally use his quirk which does beg the question, it's been about four to five days to maybe a week since Deku got back. Did he at least get to test it once? Because we see that he said, did you try to use my quirk? And he's like, yeah, I did. But we don't see that. Like, we don't know. Um, like, like, we don't know what happened. Where did he go? Because I was, I was going to ask you guys too, in that page, uh, you know, four to five, he started running already and he he had this combination going on already and the second user said 
did you use my quirk? Did did you use did you use my meta ability? He said, yeah. He said, I thought that would be your last resort. And the next place, the door having all those locks, it just seems very intriguing. And also, it, each lock, I think I counted nine, uh, nine locks. So it shows that he is the ninth user. So that's pretty dope as well. Until you do X, Y, and Z, all these other things are kind of sealed. And that's what I've liked. So I'm glad that we've maintained that consistency with this character that like, no, like you got to actually be worried that you got to actually do this stuff. You have to embrace the full role of what one for all entails before mm -hmm. he gives you, you know, his quirk. And then paying off dividends for Sue's and Ochaka's relationship, seeing that Ida was willing to rush into the fire because Ida is Shoto's best friend. Mm -hmm. I've said this before, I'll say it again especially when you get to like stuff like joint training, they've got the brother thing. He was there doing the goofy pictures with Ida during a culture festival, if you think back. Mm -hmm. So like that friendship being paid off, that color page being paid off, where if you look, uh, it's the one with the six of them walking forward where it's Ida, Otako. It's like, I don't remember the exact layout, but basically you have like the two girls. So you have like Ida or Otako and Sue, and then you have like Shoto and Ida, and sure. then you have Bakugo and Deku, and you have it yep. like set up based on like who the support is versus who's going to be the frontliner right. and their dynamic. Yeah. Right. And so it's kind of nice to see like this amount of payoff actually being put into these characters and their and the consistency, the consistency of, of representing those dynamics. Um, I definitely agree. I feel like there's there's something to say. So again, I, I and I said this during episode Deku. Until Deku got to the point where he's using all of these different powers and went through his emo phase, I wouldn't have considered Deku to be top five for me. Anyways, isn't a top five character for me in his own verse, much like I don't think Goku's a top five character in his own verse. Um, and I, I say this because I want to point out that the emissaries still have to check Deku. Like you were really about to injure yourself to go into the fight. I'm sorry. Are we still doing this at this stage in the game? Okay. So are you not fully aware of the risk and ramifications of what's going on? And it's just this thing where it's like someone constantly has to tell Deku what to do. Someone is, constantly I'm, has to tell Deku. What I like what about do. this, I found that because he's still a kid, like he's still at the age of a high schooler. So he hasn't been like he doesn't know the idea of responsibility. He feels the weight on his shoulder because his mentor, his his person that he idolized is all my the person that took everything on his own and nobody asked for help. He was always on his own. So I feel like he just took that on his own as well. And he didn't ask for nobody help. He just went out and did the same thing. He just went on the streets, take out the business, and just looked for all for one on his own. So I felt like that was right in his character footsteps as well. Because it worked, because he followed some guy that's all my who are the same who who have the same inspiration like him. So it worked that Kina asked for Bakugo, Shoto, Ochako, Ida for their help because he wants to let them be safe. Just like all my he didn't ask for Gantorino, anybody's help to fight all for one. Just just notice that all of these references that you make in are gonna it's gonna come back up in the final fight. Oh yeah and definitely one of the things that I wanted to point out though is that one of the big things that's had a lot of MHA fans online stomping their feet and being mad is like, 
all of Deku's emotional conflicts have been resolved. And the, the, the bath scene, like the reason people hate chapter 327 so much is because they say it just washed away all of Deku's character issues. And then this chapter basically goes, so anyway, for those of you who've been paying attention, he still has these same issues. Yeah, those this issues were resolved. The self-sacrificing, the self-destructive. Yeah. It's no, like the only reason he went resolved. back is he was like, damn, okay, I'll go back he with you guys. shower. He went yeah. back for a shower. <laughs> he went back to shower. He realized how much effort everybody was going to put in to try to get him back regardless. So there's no point in trying to like fight your team while also trying to fight the bad guys. No. And like, because think about it, he didn't even try to fight for himself when he got back to UA. He wasn't like, yeah, I belong here. It was Ochako that had to do that for him. So it's like he was ready to walk away the whole time. And even Ida like corrects him before we get into this arc about like, we all need to do this. Yes, he yep. has a complex. He has a complex. It's not, it wasn't even just Ochaka. It was the people that he had helped also putting that final nail in the coffin to be like, no, he saved me. No, he saved me. And and you notice that the three people that they used represented was literally old man from from chapter one, episode one. Then they showed um I forgot the the boy's name and then uh, they Kota. showed his Kota. Then they showed the most recent person that he saved and that was while he was already going morphing into his dark form essentially his emo form. So they showed the whole lifeline of like no even though still and again this goes to the idea and concept of being what is a true hero. There's a level of sac- self sacrifice to an unhealthy degree present in Deku, which makes him. Again, it's the, even even the the vestiges that say like it makes him the best candidate. It makes like he needed to be the candidate for things to reach the point that they're reaching right now. However, comma it's a double edged sword. Exactly. And like I said, to me, you have to you have to really pay close attention to that because Deku Deku is smart. That is the first thing that we're told about Deku is that he's smart. He's a nerd. He takes notes. He's aware. But the thing is, he lacks any type of resemblance of caution when it comes to dealing or with other self-preservation people. or yes. just in general because it's even if you think gone. if you think back to even the fight with Shigaraki in the parallel uh, the, the war arc when he's like you're getting in my way he's like that's what this power is for it doesn't matter what happens to me even when he's talking about like protecting his body he doesn't think of protecting his body specifically for himself He's thinking about protecting my body because it's a vessel for one for all, the power needed to stop all for one. At no point is he internalizing, I need to do these things carefully for my benefit. It is specifically himself looking at the power he has as a military asset that has to be utilized correctly, similar to how the U.S. government was handling Star Strucksburg with New Order. Like, this is a power that I have to protect this power. So like now one for all is more important to him than him. And that's even what the, the users were highlighting while he was on the move. It's like, you're, you're putting too much emphasis and too much like praise and weight onto our quirks and not enough focus on like how you should be utilizing them and how they're I, just supposed to be a part of you. I think, I think another good comparison with that, especially off of what you just said, is the fact that if Shigaraki had to get to a 100% form with the new powers, Deku still has is nowhere close. And I say nowhere close exaggerately, but like critically, because it's critical because even if he's only at 90%, everyone else is at 100%. All the other villains are at 100%. So that 10% is huge, even if it's only 10%. But the fact of the matter here is Deku still doesn't 
I don't think Deku acknowledges his power as being his power still to this moment, to this very moment, even in this episode, he's like, it's still like, dude, it's your power and your body. Like, because you what have I hate- to be cognizant of what that means because you have to be able to use the power correctly. If you're not familiar with how your body is going to respond to this, then you're not going to be able to use the best of it. But again, like we saw in, in the whole dark Deku moments is that it doesn't matter because Deku is so smart. Deku's like, even if I break my leg, I can use, he's thinking, He's already thinking of how to use his broken body to fight, essentially. Yeah. That's that's what that Deku is doing. He keeps calling it about the second user, third user, fourth user quirk instead of my eighth quirk, my sixth quirk, my right, second like, quirk. Instead of saying, oh, I haven't used a second user quirk. I haven't used... Or even, or even our quirk. quirk. Or like, I'm trying to master our quirk. Our quirk. The term right. of he, words is such a great thing, like... For example, because I think, to I think you have to give the visages, you have to give visages the, the right of existence, right? Like the, the visages do exist. Like they do exist inside of him. They are a, a entity and consciousness that is actually, as far as I'm concerned, actively existing inside of Deku. Yeah, so no, like they, you have to you have to acknowledge that as they are entities onto themselves. Because like when you specifically, I remember the fifth black whip pinpoint, like it's not just black whip to him. All of these quirks are things in his mind that are borrowed. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of wild because Bakugo was like, have you made that borrowed power yours? Yours. Yeah. Bakugo challenges him to make the power his. And that ends up being what he was supposed to be exploring and learning throughout the second act. For all the rest of the powers. Because the, because think of, this is one of the things I like about, and this is why I also don't like the villain hunt arc because title, because when you look at the way the first 20 chapters of the first saga, aka the UAE beginning saga is done. You have this exploration of Deku kind of starting to get a grip on his power, focusing it in the small areas or just putting it in his arm, et cetera, capitalizing on that. And then that transitions into, okay, now that you've learned how to clench your butt cheeks and yell smash, <laughs> then you get the activating full cowling at a level throughout his body that he can handle. But then when you get to act two, which is the, the rise of the villain saga, which is provisional license, you get the development of shoot style, Bakugo straight up telling him he's got to make his power his own that he can't afford to lose and even that fight finishing because of a decision in midair was a way to like highlight like yeah Deku's final fight is going to come down to being in the air it's going to come down to him versus Shigaraki his real rival not Bakugo who's more like a shadow friend that he's just been at odds with so mm-hmm. it's like we've been watching him supposed to develop this and all he's done is develop a higher admiration for one for all while increasing his battle IQ. And it's like he's not acknowledging the pilot of the ship, which is himself. And it even goes into what his name is, where you have like the kanji for puppet and his name mm-hmm. and stuff like that, where it's just him being super removed from his own value as a human, partially due to being bullied for so long, partially due to his mom giving up on his dream when he was four and all this other stuff. And no, that isn't an excuse for people to diss uh, Deku by mentioning Asta because. That happens a lot when, in context, Deku was supposed to get his quirk at five and Asta was supposed to get his spell book at 15. So Asta had an actual reason to keep working out and trying, whereas Deku was kind of shit on right there. Like, boom, you don't have it at five, you're done. Mm-hmm. So, like, so, for that reason, again, to add, it's like, my brother, he doesn't want to continue my hero. All he wants to do is just watch the fight. But it's because he doesn't like the character of Deku because he's very emotional he's crying a lot and i'm like is it because he's too human bro like is it because he shows too much in humans type of emotion not like other mcs 
that we see very shonen time. He's like, yeah, I I want to see my characters like he said like Goku like Baki like guys character. And I'm like, I could respect that. So you want your story to like it's fine. And that's what I like about Deku. Like even though we see in this chapter like he still sees the one for all as a thing that's not his and is borrowed. Like Anakin Kendall said, I like that about Deku because we know that within within this story that we have seen is being told past tense but us watching it it's the past two years that with Deku the character he still sees himself as a selfish character because he wants to protect others without having them be in harm's way and that's what shows that he's also learning that he has to accept that change because he cannot repeat the same the same mistakes like All Might because he has repeated this without doing it by himself because re- remember when he pushed his sidekick away aka night eye he told him hey i cannot have you inside the battle with me no more it's gonna be me against all for one and then night i got hurt or think um or there was all my dad got hurt and not i you know felt to blame so with deku he cannot he cannot repeat the same mistakes no more again Yet he rushes in to make the same mistakes again. That's why I said what I said. It's it's such but a very critical, human-like. And it's, that's what it's, I like about it's, it. It's it is very it is very much so that. But guess what? Bakugo is also very human-like. A lot of these characters are very human-like in a lot of different and very unique ways, in the way that they choose to handle their emotions. Just like a lot again, like people act like you know, oh, Bakugo is just loud and angry. Like that's that's a lot of y'all on the internet every day. A lot of y'all are Bakugos. Let's let's be honest with ourselves. Y'all that's y'all got these one. feelings in in one way, and y'all come on social media and want to be firecrackers all the time, twenty four seven. You know, but <clears throat> um, that's that's not the point of what we're talking about. Like I said again, I just it's <clears throat> it's not it's it's I'm critically looking at it because I know it's a key point. Like you said, uh, Anaki, as far as like the, the air fight is concerned, I do feel like that's always been that we've been kind of getting led, led that way from the time he had the full 100. <clears throat> there's just been this idea that whatever this big battle is going to come down to, there's going to be a lot of force. There's definitely going to be some air spectacular um, showdown that kind of takes place in, in, in part of that fight, or it's going to be some type of critical last minute something of, of which uh, Deku unlocks. But again, like I said, it's just so much to kind of look to because Deku is a trauma main character. Oh, hell yeah. More so than most main characters. And it's not about him being a crybaby. Again, it's the fact that he wasn't born with this power. Like I think he said, he was told, he was told that you're, you're never going to be anything. Like, he still lives... He Even still his number lives one hero that, told him that. Oh my, told him that. He lives with that person. reality every single day. Exactly. All might even echo those sentiments. It's like, wait. If, if you tell what? a kid they're not going to be anything, they're worthless, they're stupid, that will whatever, stay with them. It will stay with them. Yeah, and it, even, that's even the thing that kind of confuses me. Yeah. Like, is that a lot? And we've seen it, even when you like, and I think sometimes the psyche behind my hero characters is a little too realistic for what a lot of people want out of a shonen. Cause I think people want him to just smile through it and just like rubber always bounce back. But that godly kind of determination. <laughs> I see what you're doing there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to hop hey, around, hey, hey, fly hey, around Aniki, there. Hey, Aniki. Hey, Picasso, I like it. <laughs> 
<laughs> is it something that you're going to find in humans when we have like a hard limit? Because I think a lot of people don't like factoring in that my hero is really like an alternate universe of our own universe set in the mm-hmm. future. It's more like a flash forward than a completely separate idea. So these hard, fast, fixed rules of science being believed is just what would normally happen. Miracles don't happen in MHA. People have quirks that are powerful that can make you feel like they're achieving miracles and doing cool stuff. But like true blue miracles where like in, and I don't mean this as like a shade on Black Clover because, but it's because it has a magic system where you can kind of like pull a cat that allows you to manipulate fate kind of out of your ass if you need to, or stuff like that where a true blue miracle can happen for you in Black Clover. That's not happening for you in My Hero. Like miracles like that don't happen in JJK either. Like the closest you got to a miracle in JJK is Black Flash when you think about it. Every, like some sorcerers can kind of try to induce it. Like Yuji managed to do it once or twice, like um, semi-consciously forcing Black Flashes into play. But in general, a Black Flash is just a miracle. Like yeah. it's a super rare oddity that every now and then is great to happen. It. And then it's a, skill, it's a that, skill-based miracle though. Yeah, and but it, it it's just the understanding. However, like you said, it's 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 not normal. <laughs> it is a like miracle. Chad said, like Chad said, Alvarez brought up like Bleach. Bleach just got the love now that's coming back more than it did years ago when it got axed. People are excited for Bleach to come back, and people are starting to read it, and people say so, like. Oh, why is this not in the big three? Like, motherfucker, it's been in the big three since so, before so people started reading. Is, the thing is, the amount of people globally talking about Bleach and the amount of people that talked about it back then are completely different numbers. Yeah. yeah. The biggest thing about humanity, as we're talking about how humanity works, is right, mm-hmm. we need a bad guy. I love all three of the big three watching them. Yep. Same. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I didn't I didn't like and Naruto I was late in the until, game too. I didn't like Bleach. Naruto of the three until much later. Like oh, I initially really? I liked I liked Bleach and One Piece, and I He's really like ninjas. I like ninjas, so like if I like I just I always held space for Naruto, and then Naruto just quickly like it just picked up in a way that really captivated me, right? But I've always liked all three. But people are like, no, I like Naruto, therefore Bleach and One Piece suck. It's the mentality that right. like ninety five percent of the why? holes. And here's my I like My Hero Academia, therefore Black Clover sucks. I like JJK, therefore Chainsaw Man is gonna suck. I like that is the mentality that a lot of people on the internet have. And I loved like I'll I'll surprise you even harder. I hit the ground running <clears throat> on all three series. Like I'm not surprised. Like I just I just really it, I have to like, be honest. From I, the amount the amount of love that I had for Bleach because again I love out. If you put something with swords in front of me, I'll watch it. I'm not going to cap about that. You put any series in front of me with swords and you tell me swords is the premise of the series, I'll watch it for you. So, so I, I was already... Sword I already I mean, like, like with the Sword piece, of Sikai? I'll watch it. I'll watch it. I actually intend to watch it. I'm watching Orient because of that same exact reason. Like, that's the only reason I'm still watching Orient. I'm not going to lie to you. It's not been that compelling so far. But, like, I'm going to watch it because it's a series about swords. Like... Again, it, it's the- it's a thing. I, I like I said, I liked Bleach out the jump because of that. I liked One Piece. I mean, mostly because that rap was fire. Um, and then <laughs> okay, you know, yes, I I'm I'm a four kids believer in the four kids rap, one hundred percent. Yeah, I enjoy. It. Is that great? It's cringy <clears throat> at times, but 
I don't mind listening to back it. Then, at least back then, back then, it was amazing. I don't care Look, what anyone says. Man, you six years old, and I was like, "Yo, yo, 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 yo. what piece?" Yeah. I'm, so, like, I'm, but yeah, no, like I said, I, again, I, I, I'm not surprised. I, I think I, I think all series are great. And again, I'll look back in hindsight and I, I give my my love where love is deserved. And like me and Vash have said, because I love series so much, I then have to be super critical of it. So I'm going to bash Naruto. I'm going to bash Bleach. I'm going to bash One Piece when I can because I love them so much. I pay that much more attention to them than I would any other series. Like my, my thing is, is, and what's funny is, is that what happened with me is that like some people are like you're not harsh enough on my hero and i'm like no what happened with me with my hero is, is a lot of times i got worried about stuff and i had a conversation about this in another discord with some people and i was like part of how harsh you are with my hero depends on when you caught up because mm. i caught up to my hero during provisional license exam mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. deku versus kachan 2 is around the time when i caught up yep and so it's like I was coming off of Camino, I caught up on provisional license or whatever, but I had had these ideas about who Bakugo would be. And I got forced to come to a head and recognize, like, no, Bakugo is more than just that angry rival character that, like, seems to have an inferiority complex. He is going to be more than that. He's not going to go to the dark side because yes Yo, he so many people is, thought he was going to go to dark side i'm like why like well, it it, so, no type you you have these like this is such a commonly used trope that i was like okay now i have to sit back and then it was like when the overhaul art came around and you had airy introduced and her power was explained to be rewind mm-hmm. and you would see people in comments and sometimes on like youtube stuff like that like this idea that Aries the Dragon Ball, Aries is the Dragon Ball, she's just going to undo things. My hero has no stakes or consequences now because Aries exists. She's just going to rewind people when it's in trouble, blah, 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 blah. So especially if you were around during that time period, then you, you had to go through that. And then it's like, oh, this is going to be busted. It's going to be busted. And then it's like, nope, not busted. Mm-hmm. You saw, let, you saw like, how, you saw I how died was- three rooms down. You saw how that was going on um, last week when last week's One Piece chapter was was dropping. Everybody that didn't like One Piece, oh, One Piece is the you ain't how you even know you don't Yo, even read the series. I, how you I have some thoughts about, about that next session we do. I have some <laughs> thoughts you, about the comments. You about got, that. Actually got, got me annoyed. So, how you got so many opinions? That people again, people just people have to pick an enemy, and My Hero Academia played on that trope with Bakugo. And again, I saw I saw through that from the time Bakugo was introduced onto the screen. I saw through that. And that's why I always have, again, one of my favorite three characters right there, Bakugo. Yeah. Because and Bakugo, to me, is more real. I don't care what anyone says. As far as a human being, as far as conflict and struggle is concerned, as far as having to push yourself and be that person that's pushing yourself constantly, Bakugo is a more relatable character to me than Deku ever will be. Yes. Well, I, to this point, that could change. I will still leave room for grace. Like, <clears> and <throat> the thing was like, the, the, the when Black Whip was revealed, if you were a My Hero fan week to week when that happened, you had a bunch of people screaming in your ear, this is going to be busted. He's going to break the character. Deck was going to be broken. Nobody's going to stand a chance. Blah, blah, Thank blah, you. blah. And then you got to NBA. And first off, it was like, if you had already been noticing the Shigaraki parallels between De- him and Deku, like NBA was like, yeah. And so it's like once NBA hit for a good while, people started to finally actually set aside like, especially people who had been reading week to week when NBA, like, popped up and stuff like that. Finally, it was like, okay, we trust our mangaka again. 
or we finally trust our mangaka. But then a lot of people got caught up later. And like what, I, what I'm noticing is a lot of people who got caught up to the manga during the war art time period mm-hmm. or a little bit before it are the people who are the most angry about some of the stuff. Like there's some people who I've seen be angry that have been around a bit longer, but the majority of these people that I see being angry got caught up during the war arc or got caught up like a little bit before that, or maybe they caught up after once the war arc ended because everybody was like gassing it so much for a year straight. Mm-hmm. And those people have never had to sit through the having a bad theory, having wrong theories and speculating and then being wrong and having it completely shut down. Mm-hmm. And I always, like, my favorite thing about the lore arc specifically when it comes to the way that the series is written and why I try to avoid being hypercritical, like I see a lot of people being, is because of, like, that Black speech bubble scene, where you remember there were so many people who were livid. Like, do you know how insane insanely talented you have to be as a mangaka to write a bait-and-switch name reveal and then do an actual one, like, 16 chapters later and have it be so good that the fact that you bait and switched it not even 20 chapters ago that same year doesn't override the actual reveal finally because that was so much better than it would have been if it had happened when you thought it was going to so i'm like i gotta trust the guy a little more i can't just sit here and be like "Mm, because i'm a little worried about this one thing i'm gonna explode about it because there's usually some kind of payoff and there's always a trade-off to something like i will always like the mirio thing because I didn't actually want extra pages of Mirio and Aerie dealing with stuff. I didn't need pages of Aerie failing because Aerie's been through enough. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This character's life <clears throat> is moving towards a positive <clears throat> direction. I don't need to see her struggle, fail, and feel bad anymore. It was good enough for me to see Lamillion back in action and move on to the very next thing. It was more than good enough. Like, I, like I'm like, why did you want that? And like the main thing that I like really took away too, no horn on Aerie. The biggest fear, that Dragon Ball fear, gone, thrown away, can't happen, no stock. What I don't understand with the community of my hero or One Piece or any other, like for example, with with the Davian Shoto fight right now that's going on, you know, back to this chapter itself, mm-hmm. the fight people want the Davi die or get arrested, but then I bet you if he does die or he does get arrested, fans or the onions are still not going to be satisfied because they're going to feel like it was rushed. Or was it done well? It's like, all right, cool. It happened when you wanted, but you still not satisfied. Like fans cannot get what they want, or if they do get what they want, it wasn't the way you want. So like, it gets it very in a great area. It's like, okay, cool. You're not the fucking mangaka. You're just an audience, a fan, or a critic. But if you don't get what you want in that storytelling bit, you feel like you you feel like it's a failure to what you read, and that's annoying in that aspect. Yeah. Yeah. So, so for for what Ray said in the chat, all for one is a way better villain and character than he's given credit for by wide margins, and it's because people can't see past their large hate boner to actually look at how purposely he's written to have the most punchable face in the entire series. Like, I don't think there's anybody more punchable in Jump right now. Like, as far as, uh, can you please beat this nigga's ass and get him out this story? But that's the point. He <laughs> is written for that for a reason. Right. Because people say, oh, he shouldn't be the villain. He shouldn't be the villain. It should be Shiraki. I'm like, that's the point. We want to get rid of him for that reason. We want to get rid of him for one. 
But guess what? He's a dude that's been going on for 500 years. Or for one has been trying to get rid of him. The point of the story is to get rid of him. But people have such a hatred that they, that they want to just say he's bad. Like, no, he's bad because he's good at being bad. Like, look, he's- I'm going to say this to Alves' comment about um, fixing All Might. I am 100% confident that Aerie would die. If she tried I don't even that. need to explain that. But the timeline of when everything happened, essentially, I think the amount of exertion that would need to rewind the air quotes that far would kill her. I don't think there's enough. I don't think she could even hold that much power. And I don't, I don't think that's a, oh, it's because she's young. I think that's her capacity. I think her capacity has certain limits and restraints. She has no control of it because the other thing is, if she needed to push that far in the timeline for him, she may not be able to stop. And that, that's, that's, a, that's a stop. far, that's a far reach for her to be that, able to target, stop that. And, and then on top of that, does that mean that doesn't mean that the powers are going to go back to exactly. all my either? The powers have already been transferred. His body himself, can he? So he might not even be able to handle what that is. Yeah. And, so no power, and can his body also maintain it without the power? So like, can he even still be strong, or you know, go back to his human form like that? He can flex, but that's about it. And the power, the power is fading regardless. The injury just exasperated that. Right. I don't think and people understand that. I lean towards like one of the things this also did is made it so that Aerie cannot even rewind All Might back to Kamino because if you look at the size of her horn when she rewinds Mirio, it's comparable to what her horn looked like back during Overhaul arc. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. And if the most she could get out of that was rewinding somebody from effectively April to October, and it's been about one, like, sorry, from March to October, so it's been about six weeks. I don't think we're ma- she's magically going to have a full length horn because they mm-hmm. likely would have kept her away from stressful environments. So that she, so if she needs a full horn to go back like five months, what makes you think she's going to be able to go back effectively yes. nine now? With this, at, at best, like nine months, if she gets through, goes back to Camino. Yeah, no, I mean, even like, even with a full with, year, um, if we want to get to USJ All Might. Even with even with um um. Deku's hand again like people forget like his hand was healed but that wasn't that long of a good like it was months ago it was just several months ago that he had destroyed his arm so like it wasn't that hard of a flashback it wasn't that hard of a rewind and again I think it's her capacity I don't think she ever goes beyond that the way she's designed currently I don't think she can ever go I I would give her a year and when I say a year I mean like her max potential as a young adult is probably a full year and again, and, we don't, we still don't understand, and it's not been explained to us the ramifications on her for using her power. And my personal and, theory is that Aerie's stockpile is something that her quirk or her storyline pushes her away from accumulating. Because I've my personal thought process is, is that it's specifically uh, regret or like sadness that she stockpiles, and it's having that regret and sadness and that that makes it possible for her to go back because mm-hmm. what like if you turn back time and quirks influence your personality then in theory it would be the desire to go back or change things and if you think back to when she accidentally activated a rewind um and undid the overhaul transformation that was partially when she was thinking about how they had done so much how they tried to save her and she saw muriel's cape and she was like kind of thinking of back to how things could have gone and she gone done things like a little differently you know, kind of had that flashback, and then boom. Because she realized, like, they're going to keep trying to save me no matter what. 
which also meant that she realized that the correct response back then would have been to try to go with them and let Deku and Mario try to save her. And it's like, it basically gave her that do-over and the ability to finally be saved like she should have chosen to be, should have chosen to be the first time. Like so you brought up, like you brought up, Aniki and Kendall, you just brought up what I was going to say in the chat. Um, exactly what we brought up back in Undead and Luck. Quirks are connected to the human emotions, and that's exactly how it goes, is that it's how you're there in your mental state. And that's what Kenny said in the chat, is that Eri is connected to, possibly, to her sadness and regret. We have, uh, what's his name? I just, damn, I just remember. And um, the guy that controls people's minds, um, the help, the help Ayama, um, speak to oh, overhaul. And, um, talking about, um, the new recruit from Class C, or are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, him, the I regular cast. Anika, you remember his name? I'm drawing blank. Oh, hold on. Which dude? Aizawa's apprentice. Yes. Oh, uh, apprentice. Shinzo, Shinzo, Shinzo. Yeah, Shinzo, yeah, for example. Right. He said that, he, that he's been training his mind and his quirk to also know how to speak for other people, but also that also is big on your human emotions because even, even all for one said that I did not see any lies or any type of emotions that means that he must have controlled his quirk with his human emotions as well for him to not skip a beat for him to show any type of emotions or lie through through uh, yama and that's a big feat because for you to control your own emotions as humans that is very difficult and that's many props for that exactly like shinso actually put in work there like, Technically, Shinzo's not general studies anymore. They never declared what class he's in, but he was officially promoted. Yeah, yeah like, like he, he's supposed- he was supposed to switch, but you know, with the whole war going on, it's like there's another thing. Uh, I think it was in um Anakin's church, I forgot who was that thing last week or two weeks ago, when people said that there's no stakes going on right now because we just had a war and then another war. And I'm like, what? um, yeah, um, it was on the timeline, and also I forgot on um, somebody's um in one of the panel of Anakin's church, I think it was a week or two weeks ago, is people don't read the history books. We have gone through own, uh, through our own war, and then there's been a war months or weeks later still going on. And people don't understand, like, you cannot prepare for war. War happens, you have to go through it, and you cannot really, you cannot really, you know, think about mourning. Like, for example, their teacher, Midnight. All right, she died, but guess what? We cannot mourn for her because there's a whole fucking war going on. There, it, there's a person calling himself a demon lord. How can you prep yourself for that? Like there is no things that you can really prep yourself when there's a war going on, when there's a battle, when things happen yeah. like that, you have to jump to it. You can't really prep yourself. Yeah, you know, there's prep like the, like the students just did. They had to practice because they had time. They knew they had time. But what was more important? Morning for a teacher or prep yourself for the time of your life that you're about to fight. You know, all this world needs is joy. And on that note, let's trust <laughs> I mean, I, I think we hit a, a good note of like things outside, like unless you guys want to also talk about the fact that there's a good chance Dobby destroyed the All Might statue in this chapter. Oh, he definitely did. He definitely did. Uh... Because like I think I think that there's a greater symbolism there. I'm waiting. I'm actually I think that's gonna be resolved in next chapter, but there's a greater symbolism there um that goes into the story of Dobby that's about to be told again. Because the entire origin of this rage of his 
was the dream of surpassing All Might and destroying All Might's legacy, more or less, as being the next mm-hmm. hero. So mm-hmm. you see him like slowly like waft up. And I really love this angel of death vibe that you, you really get here because you got him like floating up all peacefully and then he just kicks up the heat to an insane degree once he's floating directly above the All Might statue. Yeah. Like, I feel like by next chapter, we're going to see, bring it to the statue still in P, um, still good or a leg or an arm off. Cause like he's literally been flaming throughout, throughout that whole courtyard. There's no way that statue is still in peace with, without no problem. Also, did you guys notice that a piece of Dobby's face was being shown to be was falling being off? shown, yes. I paid very close attention because it's also like the biggest panel in the entire, like the entire chapter. Yeah, it's just that when you look at that top panel above the one where you really get to see up close, that's literally the, the face, the flesh falling off and sizzling away. Yeah. It shows that by the end of this, by the end of this flashback or by the end of this fight, Dobby is going to have no skin on his face. No. Not like none. Like my boy's already gonna be no skin at all. And it just looks like or like okay, Dobby, um, you you you're gonna tell your flashback, but you're gonna be looking like an like a zombie that's alive. Like you literally have no skin. Like I mean, it again, there's these awakenings of these powers and stuff. So Dobby's Dobby's also due for revealing a deeper power of his own, I believe. As I've... well as I think Todoroki is as well. It's gonna be a I think it's gonna be the first of the many great fights that we're about to get i've had people in my chat propose and i've seen it a couple times the idea of dobby having phoenix fire oh dobby because as far as we know his power like everybody just kind of assumes it's cremation but Mm -hmm. uh i got the ultra analysis book somewhere in here but it doesn't directly state what dobby's quirk is nope and it never, never does. That's one it. thing. That's one thing that they've been really intentional about. There's a reason that it's a different color flame. There's a reason that it's not called flame. There's just, it's just a lot of ambiguity around Dobby, and that's never been resolved. Just like uh, we didn't even same thing with Toga. Like we thought we knew what Toga's ability was. Also, this is the perfect segue. You ready for this? Just like we have never gotten a hard cork box for Dobby. We never got a devil fruit box that I can recall in the entirety of One Piece for Luffy. Never got a box for it. Never got a box for it. Yep. And yes. We've had boxes for the Ope Ope no Mi, for Ace's Flame Flame Fruit, for the, the Gura Gura no Mi. We've got you know what's, you for know White so Beer, Black too? Beer, everyone else. It's it was so common that I thought it did. And then I rewatched and I reread the first, like the first couple episodes. And I was like, no, why no. does he have this fruit casually out in the open? Like, what? What there, is this? Oh, well, there's, there's, what is I have this? comments for that, and I've, and I've seen people's theories because you know it's been on the timeline. But um, Ray said, I think Dami and Toya are different parts of the same person. Like Shoto is half cold heart, um, half cold, half hot. I yeah, I see. I also see yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 on brand. I'm not even gonna get into why that's completely on brand, but it's race. So yeah, we, we just like from Ray. his inside is he has ice resistance instead of fire resistance, so he still gets something from both halves, just not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a, like a good. Uh, their power remind me a lot. Um, if if anybody seen Ben Ten, um, back mm-hmm. as a kid, 
when the fire guy got sick because of Ben got sick, he, he became having ice power. So it kind of yeah. reminded me a lot about Davi and the Shoto's power. So it was very symbolic when Abadabi don't really get hurt when it comes to the cold, but he just has blue um blue fire. But hopefully within this flashback, we get a, a better understanding of what happens and why he chose to never come back and what is his actual quirk and how many more skin layers is he about to burn off? Because by, by the end, it looks like Abadabi is just going to be a piece of muscles and bones. That's it, really. So let's just see it. But for it's anybody, okay. it's okay, Bash. Don't listen to Ray. I also watched almost all of Ben 10 until they got crazy. I literally <laughs> watched through Omniverse. I didn't watch Omniverse. That's where I, I was like, mm. I watched bits and pieces. I watched bits and pieces, but I wasn't I digging watched, the. Uh, I watched two Omniverse. Switch. Yeah, I watched two Omniverse, and then yeah, the art style hurt a lot. All right. So for anybody that don't read One Piece, this is your segment to get out because I'm going to close my door too because my girl watches One Piece, but it's not where we are right now. So. For anybody that don't watch or read One Piece on the current arc of Wano, tune out right now because this would be your segue to get out. So that's my best plug. For uh, Check all the other conversations in the time code down below. But this is a One Piece conversation for the first time on the Anime League podcast. I mean, the Anime League channel in years and in Shonen Ronin. So uh, while I close my door on uh, Kenny or um, I think you could start on what you thought or or like thoughts overall the one off whichever i'll be back okay. in a second so lead, while vash is doing that i'm gonna lead i'm gonna stick to the chapter but instead i want to talk about this cover story a little yes 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 personally i enjoyed the germa and i was kind of glad that it was like on one hand i really would have preferred some of jimbei's crew also had been captured on the other hand, I'm like, all right, cool. Ichiji, Reiju got out, you know, Papa, Papa Vin Smoke got out, but we do have them losing something in both Niji and Yonji uh, being stuck there. I'm wondering if, especially since this is a Vegapunk replication lab, what all is gonna come out of this? Because I don't think, I don't think Big Mom can go home now. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I mean is like, I think Big Mom almost has to follow the straw hats wherever or whatever they decide to do after this. And I've seen people mention how because Big Mom fell in a hole and there's the ports in Wano, that there's a chance that the Big Mom pirates would be trying to go up uh, the Mogura port and Mm -hmm. then have that happen. So I think that like at most she would go out to sea to recover, but I don't think because if, if they get anywhere with this Germa tech, and Big Mom gets to apply that to any of her people, there's no reason for her to not be able to like wipe out the the, the straw hats and other crews like that. Just because at that point, a fully germified crew of a bunch of people who are already decent fighters sounds like a, a, a headache and a half for the straw hats to deal with. It's, and because we kind of know that we they also can't have a direct fight because Sanji always fights the second from the, and the second from the top uh, is smooth. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one of the weirdest things to let us know that he's they're never going to have a straight up battle like they have with Kaido's crew with Big Mom's crew. Yeah, so, I guess because Kakaguri, unless he fought Kakaguri, uh, and yeah, that just that don't that don't. No. And, and and honestly, Katakuri like Katakuri is a better match for Sanji than he is for Zoro, 
because of the observation hockey thing. And- exactly. That's why I said it. But then I was just like, but then I'm like, so Zoro fights Katakuri. Katakuri with Sanji. But that does that's not we're not getting that again anytime soon. Yeah. So yeah, it's like, not- okay. And let's be real. Oh, have a smoothie. We haven't mm-hmm. heard done anything. I don't even think Smoothie's actually. I think if I don't think Smoothie would fight if the Straw Hat and Big Mom had to clash again. Uh, yeah, I don't think. But thing is, I, I think the we most know, we're getting is a one v one between Luffy and Big Mom at because, most. At most, yeah. Because we know Smoothie is, I think, top three of her right hand man, and I know Katakuri's Smoothie, and I forgot the other one. Um, is in the cover page. Um, their top three, and I think Smoothie could do something, and I think she had a sword weapon, or I think she she had like a hammer or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah she's a sword she Don't was forget, out I was about to say, don't forget, I was about to say, don't forget she is indeed considered a swordsman, and also don't forget that Zoro was intentionally left out of this arc. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and just, my thing with, because like Big Mom has no reason to get up. Like, after the Punctureville damn punk combo, mm-hmm. no reason for her to get up. Mm-hmm. We, we don't need to worry about that. Yeah. With the bomb, too, and her ending for the so it's like the most i can see is her forcing another fight with luffy and that's not gonna go well for her especially because and i'll say I mean, it now i wouldn't we, be surprised if she pops up in this in this fight with kaido right now before it's all said and done i I'm, wouldn't be surprised is what i'm saying like i could see if that were the case then we'd have to see gear six because i know that we look i know he says gear five is the peak of his power but you know what you kind of notice throughout these this fight? If you look at Luffy's body, specifically on page uh, 16, when he's pulling up the ground to do the boom and like bounce it back mm-hmm. at Kaido, that's basically gear four, but without the hockey. Mm-hmm. Wait, page even, the art, even the art animation of how it looks. Right. So it seems like Luffy is still on that hockey timer, even though we saw a bunch of like conquerors hockey exploding all over the place. It just doesn't seem like he's got full blown access to his hockey like he used to have, like he would normally have in this situation. Mm-hmm. And we've not we've not explored um, awakening X hockey, honestly, in, in the in the series yet. So. I, I agree with you. Also, I like the fact that um, Gear Fifth is introduced instead of it being called Awakening, because I think it leaves room for exactly what you said that we're probably going to get a Gear Six. And this is the same thing I told a couple of people last week. I ain't gonna hold y'all. No cap. Kenny, and you're breaking you, up. Can't hear you. Yeah. Okay, breaking I, I was wondering if it was just me. Just, oh, just man. go back like five <clears throat> seconds. Yeah, no, I was saying that I, I I really feel like this was necessary. I very much so felt like last week I, I more or less 100% predicted this chapter. And it's it was off the stretch that I just believe in the way that Oda does certain things. <clears throat> so I saw I saw I saw what was coming. I saw the uh, accumulation of 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 you know a thousand plus chapters. I saw a tried and true process with Oda. And I definitely agree. I feel like Gear 6 is probably something that will happen. Will we see it right now? No. Will it actually be Gear 6? Maybe not. Maybe it might be a Gear 5 complete or a Gear 5 yeah. final or a Gear 5 ace. I don't I don't know. But there's definitely more to this air quotes Gear 5 um, 
air quotes awakening and and obviously as we've seen with most of his forms um post post uh gear two and even with gear two with all of his forms at the initial stages of using the form there's a kickback yep um so also i wanted to back up your point about setup real quick though because the second zoro uh when he used enma which I'm sorry for people who don't want to believe Enma is useful in the actual tool, but it's a cursed sword of a high grade. It does high matter. Grade. Why does yeah? Why does everyone hate on Enma? I don't understand. I don't. Enma helped him specifically yeah. in the sense that he was like, "All right." Which also, this is one of those things, and I'm like, one of the things that they made clear is that Zoro is not on Odin's level yet, and that, that is okay. Mm-hmm. And the reason why we know that is because. Odin wasn't having the hockey drainage issues that Zoro expresses and like seems to take umbrage with the entire time that like Odin was running around with Enma. But the second Zoro like was like, all right, I'm going to trust Enma here and go all out with my hockey and got advanced uh, color of the conqueror. There was no way that that was going to be the final power up for Luffy. Oda yeah, would I, never. That's and that's what I said. I was like, you like, literally just watched four chap, ten chapters. Let's be real, ten chapters, and every other chapter, if not every chapter, was somebody getting a power up. You watched a fight with Law and with Kid, and you watched them both unleash a thing that we've never seen. Two things that we've never seen. Not that we're just super familiar that with them, but they got they got leveled up attacks essentially in that fight sequence and it's just like ah oh, nah luffy's done somebody was like the last week they was like oh luffy's luffy luffy even if luffy didn't like what what would he have been able to do to knock out kaido he's been touching kaido no one has touched kaido the reason kaido was excited was because he's not had someone to fight he's not kaido got him, hit and was like <clears throat> i told him there's only three people that could touch kaido that lives on that was on that island there and that was zoro which you probably was never going to do again and everyone was like giving me gas when I was like, I didn't tell you guys that Zoro could beat Kaido. I said that Zoro touched Kaido. Lin Lin, the only other person that literally had any type of chance. And Luffy, there was no one else on the island that could touch him. Because, and, and here's my thing, is that Zoro did do well against Kaido. Like when he uses Ashura, you can see that there's cling, cling, cling. So like obviously like fighting nine swords at once, which I kind of saw that as like being symbolic of like Zoro being to Luffy what the nine scabbers were to Odin, like that guard, that like a devout, which, like which the is most also, devoted follower. Which is also like an emphasis on how powerful and how strong Zoro is as a character. Like, I'm not going to say that he's stronger than all nine scabbers combined, but like the idea behind utilizing him that way. His function, his function. Right. Like it was supposed to represent that. And so then you look at like characters like Law, who like he gets his props from Kaido too. Like Kaido was like, uh-uh, I'm gonna hit Zoro with this club and I'm coming for your ass too because you giving me a headache. Like when he used the curtain, when he hit him with injection shot, when he tried mm-hmm. to bite him in dragon form and Law was literally like air walking away from him. And you can see he's like tried to chomp him. And then he was like, yeah, your heart should be around here. Which I'll also say that the reason why, one of the things that Oda did that was crafty, but a little annoying because it, it it's weird for characterization purposes is he had Law, Gamma Knife, Kaido in dragon form. And then when he got in touch range of Big Mom, he had him use counter shot on her chest when he could have used Gamma Knife on Big Mom's heart. 
but obviously that was to make sure that when they fought Big Mom, she wasn't weakened in any way. But it was still one of those, like, Law would be smart enough to be like, it's easier to gammonize Big Mom than it is Kaido here. Yeah. But, yeah. Like, this, so it's like... Also, remember, remember Law, Law is also an inheritor of the will of the D. Which... You know, I know that it's not open world and everyone in the verse knows it, but we as the audience know it. Yeah, we as the audience knows it because that's the question when he said that back in back in Fishman Island, when he said that, oh, if he couldn't use if he couldn't use Conquer Hockey, he had to step down. So I'm like, so did you imply saying that you could do Conquer Hockey too, my man? So like knowing that he knows these things more and then knowing what happens in Wano, it's your questions. To prove that Oda, if he does something dope for Zoro, Luffy will always has to one top him because he's the captain. It's like how a lot of sometimes people are like, oh yeah, Zoro and Luffy were equal post time skip because Zoro beat Hody too. And I'm like, those were two different Hody. Nope. Yeah. Also, also let me let me let me be quite frank with you. <laughs> I'm gonna get flagged for this, and this isn't Stan talking. Until this chapter. Zoro was stronger than Luffy in this fight. Oh no, that's Cap. <laughs> that's Cap. Nope. That's Cap. But based off of the power-up sequence of things, based off the power-up sequence of things and the power-up that he got from taking the drugs and everything, he was stronger than Luffy until Luffy just gear fit. So the main reason why I can't co-sign that one is because of how unimpressive King is. Like when you, and I know like some people just, but like, actually like, let's think about this for a second. When we compare what King was doing compared to what Katakuri was doing. King has no Conqueror's Hockey, no Awakening, and in general, didn't flex his armament, didn't flex Sensory Hockey, nothing. Now, I do think that, because one of the things that people kind of mix up too when they talk about Luffy is they'll say sharp weapons are a special weakness to him. And that's not true. It's more like, just like anybody, Luffy can still be cut. Yeah. Not, oh, I'm super weak to, like, swords. And when it comes to, like, what we got out of Zoro, I think Zoro's stronger than some people give him credit for, but I'm one of those people who I stand by. Luffy is disturbingly clear of his crew. And this is something that has been highlighted since um, Thriller Bark, and more sp- even specifically Annie's Lobby, you could say, because like a lot of people don't like using the door keys, the, the door key rating, but it's like, bro, that was pure hands, yeah. just off the off their base yeah. with no DF. Yeah, Luffy's opponent is like twice as strong as the Mazoro gets. No, oh yeah, no, you're right. So, so so again, like I said, for a moment, for a moment, Zoro was stronger. That is what I'm like, getting at. Me, like, I, just, I think, I think for a moment he was stronger, and I think this goes back to the whole of like, if Zoro gets to be stronger, Luffy has to be stronger. Because one thing that has been made clear yeah, from 100%. the initial, from the initial interaction is, I'm going to follow you out of a certain level of respect, and I'm going to keep following you as long as you are worthy of me following you. Zoro has a dying loyalty to Luffy that is completely rooted in his belief in the strength and a strength of character and strength of person that is Luffy. Like, in the chat, point to you as well, Alvis brought up, even Sawyer has said, when Zoro, whenever Zoro does 
something cool or get a power up, Oda always has Luffy do one up him. And I agree with that because I just, um, I'm watching the current One Piece anime with my girl, you know, her first time. We mm-hmm. just finished Indian Zombie. We just finished all that. We right now entering, entering Third of the Bark. No one has mentioned in that Third of the Bark that they're going to find Moria. The only one that mentioned that he's going to find Moria is Luffy. Luffy knows that he always has to be the one that goes against the top but, dog. But Zoro but also says multiple times, I'm going to leave it to him. There's yeah, been there's been a couple yeah. of people that they ran into that I think Zoro could have fought the, the number one. Not a lot, but there's been a couple. And I think it was just an understanding that it doesn't matter because right of way is my captain needs to beat your captain, essentially. Exactly. Because oh, there's an you know, Usopp line in Thriller Bart. There's a what? And there's an Usopp line in Thriller Bart mm-hmm. that the anime really does a good job with. And the and it, the point of that line and what we do is more or less to set up Saboti. But Usopp is like, damn, bros, you guys feel like Luffy's having to do way too much work lately? Like he's having to carry us and we're not doing enough. And every single person is just kind of there standing there looking sad and silent, including Zoro. And it's that particular conversation that leads to Zoro being willing to bow to Mihawk. Yes. Not yes. just losing yes. and getting scattered, but like specifically realizing it's not enough it's not it's not enough it's not enough and luffy is powering up way more than everybody else yes yeah he's like yes i agree way ahead of all of us we got to do something yes so like because zoro zoro capped like if we're being quite honest from about um uh demon zoro cp9 zoro capped zoro was super capped like even the rest of the crew was getting a like not to his level but they were getting stronger and zoro was not like he was just strong to begin with. Obviously, you know he's considered part of the the worst gen. But like it's like he was capped. Like he like he knew like okay, was, there's yeah, a he, limit. It, there's a limit like, to how much I can do by myself and still be able to say I'm the vice captain of this ship. Like there is a limit to what that is. One more throwback line that um again that to rewatch Chopper back in Ennis Lobby when Chopper brought up. Hey Nami, isn't it crazy of how Luffy always goes against oh, the big mm-hmm. guys, like always the strong guys? And then Nami brought up, you know, I'm just paraphrasing. Nami brought up saying that, well, Luffy always knows who's to go up against, and mm-hmm. he leaves the rest to us. Innately, like, innately seeks it out and expects his crew to clean up everybody else. And that's what it's, it's, a, it's a it's a it's a two way it's a two way trust. It's a very strong two way trust. Um. I want to say something real quick, just because I don't want it to get super lost in the comments. And I saw Goody yeah. say it um, yeah. because I also saw someone, someone in, in one of my, uh, I think, matter of fact, someone was saying it, Bastion, in the no anime, uh, no life chat, that it would be weird if Luffy was to like go grab the moon and smash the moon into somebody. And I was like, no, it's not. Again, I don't think y'all understand the, the level of intent in Luffy's design. I don't think y'all are realizing what is being Look, set up with his powers. I don't think y'all understand the implications of Joy Boy. I don't think y'all understand the implications of Mika the Sun God. Luffy is, by all means, the goofy animated caricature that he is. And that is exactly why I'm super afraid of this live action series being a thing. Look, Luffy, and I was glad when somebody just posted a thing that was like a bunch of different Popeye scenes. Yes, that are similar to like <laughs> what happened with, but Gear Three is the classic. Yeah, 
Like, it, it, the, like I grew up watching Toonheads, so I grew up. Yeah, like, yeah somebody, somebody made, somebody made the character. reference to um. Oh God, I forgot his name right now. Uh, Tom and Jerry, the cousin, yeah. they used to come over, and he he did the same thing to blow up the fist and punch punch everybody with the fist. Like again, like it's it's he is a caricature, and and it's just this thing of like the ultimate joy, kind of throwing back to the ultimate joy being the freedom of your imagination, being able to do anything. But and like but one now, of my earliest thoughts when they thought about like awakening was that I always assumed that if there was to, if I had to envision what the awakening of the gum gum, the gum gum, the fruit was, I imagined that it would be the ability to warp the world's like dexterity, like their malleability, yeah. the, fl- the flexibility of everything else, because that's what I would assume. And then when you think about that, that, yeah, that's the ultimate freedom. That's like the ultimate form of creation. That's the ultimate liberation from the rules and the reality of what the world is. And so Kenny, to, again, to throw, back, to, throw back to throw um, back uh, to Undead Unlocked, rewriting that, the rules, bro. He, and the thing like, is, is that- That made me with, realize from, from Dolphy's fruit, when he mm-hmm. did the string tree. The break light. Yeah, break mm-hmm. light. When he did the awakening of his, that's when it made me think like, cool. Luffy's gear fourth is that, I copy. What can you step up from that? What can you learn from what we, the audience, could try to bring up and theorize what Oda could do next with Luffy's fruit? Mm, I, it may be like, yeah. okay, you cannot bring like a whole stretch of arms, the waves and everything, but how about what is around Luffy, what he touches, he has the freedom to bring the character of that into however he wants to warp it. That's how I saw yeah. it. I never expected to actually come freedom. to fruition. Even- even question gear four, don't just question gear third. Yeah, like, um, Alves, because gear four is also him blowing ear into his entire hockey body into it. Yeah, you're right. Like, he like, can manipulate, it, he can the... manipulate hockey, bro. Yeah, no, he got the inflatable <laughs> arms from SpongeBob. Like, think about it. He got the SpongeBob arms from the, the episode when he was working out. Yep. Let me yep. just, uh, yeah. Yeah. And my thing is, is that even with Oda giving him this creative freedom, he still put some reasonable nerfs in here because he could, if he really wanted to go crazy, he could have let him pull a gentle and just been like gently rebound and like elasticized the air and walked away. Like he could have done that. So even when people are complaining about like, oh, this tune force is too much, he didn't even take it that far. He still at least had to grab the ground. Tripping, I don't even I don't even like this tune force reference. Like I, I mean, I get it, I get it, but I'm also just like again, I feel like everyone's limiting the, you guys are limiting your imagination, bro. Y'all are and sleeping on point Oda. of his y'all character. are sleeping on Oda. Y'all are sleeping on a thousand plus chapters, and y'all are still sleeping on Oda. Because my thing is, is that One Piece has always been like more cartoony, like its art style yeah, has always been serious. more cartoony, yeah. it's, it's always been. Like, have you noticed each character has their own weird aesthetic? Not everyone has the same type of mm-hmm. same one note. Mm-hmm. And he 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 emphas- he doubled down on that after the training arc. Like he was yeah, like, like, "I'm gonna I'm gonna grow out. This person's here. I'm going to." Frankie's not just a cyborg. This man is not even human anymore. <laughs> like like it's it's just like the like again. It's so it's all the you know the constant playing of like there's large people but there's also giants in the world like there's people right. who naturally get to seven feet but then there's 10 foot tall people there's 20 foot tall people in this world you have people just who casually 25 feet tall and it's like that's not a giant and it's like huh huh what you mean 25 feet in a giant no he's just a big person Excuse and me? what's funny is is that like 
what this also does is kind of make me look back at like Chopper, but one of the because like you know he's got the Hito Hito no me too. And mm-hmm. I started. Thinking I got questions that, like, about that. I was gonna bring up to you guys in a few. So yeah. The, so my stance on Chopper Hito Hito no me is that part of those like point inspirations are partially based off the different human races we see. Like when he had arm point, that was based off the three arm tribe. Three arm tribe. Point mm-hmm. was the long leg tribe, and because mm-hmm. he's a reindeer, we're not noticing that he's replicating the different races of human. I think I think there's a strong tie back. Again, everyone has their piece in developing who Luffy is. And I think I, I was saying that I was telling my bro um Damien, I was telling him that like we're there's still certain people's stories that need to get flushed out and and their roles that they have to play in Luffy's development. And while like like while Chopper's backstory has been cemented and his role has been cemented, the purpose that he has to play in the next steps have not been, he's the least touched. Mm-hmm. of the of the characters we like i said i get frankie frankie would be the next person but we're gonna get another ship I, we're gonna get something and it might my correction let me not say that let me say what i said before even if we don't get another ship frankie the is always getting be, mods frankie is going to be very instrumental i wouldn't i didn't even it's not even just the mods frankie's gonna be very instrumental in building something that is super key to unlocking one piece yes there's something that needs to be created and that's what frankie is there for um, Brooke is another person that we haven't fully explored their backstory. We more or less know what Nami is. Nami's Nami's no, no, no. Is already Nami. Nami's Na- no. Oh, I, was I, was there. I, was, I got you. I got you. I, I got you. She's Nami, a key to what Nami, she's about to do. Nami has Gonna been do. quiet as well. And then my bro reminded me. He was like, "We don't know where Nami came from." Yeah, we okay, actually so know nothing about Nami. I, I have we know nothing. This. We know the least I about know Nami. I quote tweeted that... something about this recently, actually, where if you look, it was like this straw hat, and it was like a uh, uh, birthplace. It was like this person was born here, this person was born here, and it was saying like Robin was born in O'Hara. It was saying like Frankie was born in like the Grand Line, and it was just saying like these people are born here, and then it even said like birthplace for Sanji, Norka Blue. But then Luffy, specifically Luffy, Zoro, Luffy, Usopp, Zoro. and Nami, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. did not have their birthplace listed. Birth what they had yeah. instead listed was just from this place. Mm-hmm. That was it. Yeah, so it's like, east okay. Blue, but nothing else. Right. Like it was like from Fusha Village, East Blue. But it, right. So that's clearly not where Luffy was born. From this island and we know nami wasn't born in the village that she was in mm-hmm. and we know that her Bellamere was at least a captain in the marines so mm-hmm. she could have spent some time in the grand line and decided and mm-hmm. opted into coming back with nami so we don't mm-hmm. know where she got nami actually yep we, we also don't know what else if, did we point out we know like, we know that brooke brooke is a descendant of some type of royalty we know there's, there's 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 so much there there's so much there that has not been fully rectified or flushed out about our crew and like Usopp we don't know where he's actually actually from. From. we just know yep. where he landed and we know that Yasop left him and we know that Yasop was famous before he got recruited by Shanks yep mm-hmm. which so, means that which means that again ooh, there's, a, there's a there's a meta world to one piece so, so talking about Shanks Usopp, Usopp might be a descendant of somebody that's not even from the main places that we consider to be the one piece world right now I, I as far as I'm concerned Usopp is going to be confirmed to be a descendant of Nolan the Liar I have a feeling you are right about this. So I have a feeling that that too. But since we brought up Shanks, now that we see <clears> the fruit, um, and now the word government, um, in the first couple of pages, I have a question. Do now that we know about it, Shanks saved 
the devil fruit, not Luffy first. Or mix with both. Okay. So I feel like I'm now leaning far more towards he saved the devil fruit specifically because you can't convince me that Shanks raided a CP9 ship and landed in and, and has the ability to access the highest chamber of the world government. Did, like, yeah, and didn't know about what he was doing or what fruit he had. Like, I have just a really hard time believing. Yeah, like, that. there's no way that you left the devil fruit unattended and let Luffy eat it. And then when he when he was about to get eaten by the shark, or sorry, well, shark, but the king, um, bam, I'm drawing blank. You're you're not wrong in thinking that, however, you like could Shanks, be wrong. It could actually still be a co- I'm still. I'm not fully off the fact that Luffy eating that was a coincidence. I don't think. Oh, the, okay, I don't think Luffy. I don't think it was, was on purpose. But I, think I don't Shanks think it was. Was like, no, nah, I gotta protect this asset now. Yes. Yeah, like like he knew yes. that he had to protect it because of the fruit and because Luffy. Of he probably knew his name was Monkey D. Luffy. Shanks probably knew that that was his son of Monkey D. Dragon. So it was a mix of many variables. It could be the fruit. It could be Luffy because the son of the. Monkey D Dragon or could be the Will D. I do it could I be do want any to verbal. know Shanks's connection to Dragon because there it, it, there has to be some connection there to some extent. I, I just, want there to be I a can't believe, to Dragon even if it's just that they've met, even just that that they that they've met before. That's I just want to know. They've they had to have met before at some point, and I just kind of want to know a little bit more about that. Because again, there's a reason that Shanks is as deep as he is with a lot of things. Shanks knows everyone's dirt. I'm a big believer the Shanks was descended from a celestial dragon and he might have even <clears throat> like he he wouldn't have been recruited during the God Valley incident I don't think because mm-hmm. based on when the one piece is supposed to have been found it mm-hmm. is a couple it's a few years later mm-hmm. and Shanks was like 12 when that happened so mm-hmm. it would have been like 10 yeah, years Shank, after the God when, Valley when incident, Shanks's but, adventure starts doesn't align with the way that things have been presented to us to this point but so I, do we think the Shanks movie is going to connect to what the anime is doing right now currently as well because a lot of people are also hoping for that where this Shanks movie will give us this flashback or more in-depth story of his character I think so the Bill last, the last two, some of this stuff. The last two movies definitively have been gearing towards giving us more clues about one. Uh-huh. I think it is right, cool. it is imperative and essential that that's what happens in Red. I think it's it is imperative. We got the we got the laugh tale reveal <clears throat> and a lot of what went into the fight with Bullet mirrors what was going into the fight with Kaido from like mm-hmm. the team up across different uh, areas and different forces to the idea that you know the just having multiple members of the worst generation there to instead of him you know doing like uh bullet did and using the clank clank fruit to turn all the stuff into a met him at least like lifting up the island in a way that would cause destruction to another island effectively like letting him just waste it if he feels like it etc so it's like we had a lot of little tie-ins that it was like oh like once you rewatch stampede and you look at some of the stuff that's happened it's like okay yeah this was kind of alluding to that even mm-hmm. like kid using his awakening finally mm-hmm. and like making the damn punk and all that other stuff good stuff but I, I, 
with this one, I think we need a little bit more of those canon reveals in a non-canon scenario and yes. getting a bit of backstory on Shanks, figuring out why he has the ability to just waltz into the Gorosei. Because like, when you look at that page, you're like, man, I really, I figured given your position, you wouldn't be worried about politics. Given your position, like it's the reverie, but because it's you, we're making time for you, where it kind of feels like Shanks the most outlandish, but somehow like on point theory I could think of is Shanks being the direct descendant of Emu. Mm. Because that would explain so much. Mm. And so like, that was that has been two of my theories that he's a descendant of Emu or a descendant of one of the important type of celestial dragons. Because for you to be walking in like that and mm-mm. they don't stop it, you, it would ha- like, like I never thought have, about it. Like I've heard people say, but it have to be Emu. It cannot like, be anybody else. Because it has to be that. There would be no reason to respect any of the other celestial dragons to that degree. And we have seen people that Which are descendants in, of the in, celestial. In actuality, they have gone Shanks away. is a celestial like dragon. Dolphy. Yeah, like in, in essence, Shanks is a celestial dragon. That is yeah. the, the the synopsis. That's the only acceptable <clears throat> answer because there's no there's no black male in the world that makes you so valuable that you can do this. So it has to be a special privilege. Yeah. Especially because if we keep it a full stack, and this is also why I'm going to say like, you know, sometimes people are like, well, Dragon can't be impressive because he ran from Blackbeard. But like Blackbeard had the ability to just destroy an island without landing on it. Thanks to the Guda Guda no Mi. And right. thanks so to... Like- the shadow Do much like, about it. Them, like... the, the other thing is that people people always act like i fucking so i hate teach but like he was already Dang. strong guys like <laughs> he was already the scar he gave shanks was before yes shanks was like a yonko but still it he easily could have been already a formidable he was one of the top tens that were part of the generation that was that combined force again if you did not watch Stampede, please go watch Stampede. It really kind of pointed out that fact of why, just briefly, just why that that Teach is that guy. And then you awesome. gave him you gave him a broken power, and then he was like, you know what? While I have this broken power, I'm going to take another broken ass power. And that's the other thing too is that with this is also why I don't think Teach has conquerors hockey though, because <laughs> I think one of the ways that Luffy's going to keep his devil fruit active the entire fight against teach is by creating conquerors hockey barrier so that they never make physical contact mm-hmm. i also but, think I, I have a wild theory about that in regards to gear fifth but yes continue but uh the thing with teach is that if you read the ace novels ace Ooh. heavily suggests that teach would have been fine to be a yonko commander before he even got the yami yami no he straight up like why he because like he asked him directly like why don't you lead the second division the mm-hmm. same division that Odin led. Mm-hmm. So it's like Teach has all this buildup to be that guy while simultaneously just being kind of a coward. And you can be both. No, nah, you don't he have was, to be. It shows he, that. He was, he was a coward because he wanted the number one spot. It's not that he was a coward because he was afraid to fight. It's He's a coward because his targets were the top of the food chain. Yeah, like that's what he was. It was hungry. He was hungry and going back to the aspect that people in, in a flashback of Odin showing that he was never sleeping. He like people, many theories about black I teach. 
And that, that's part of what makes him running from Akaino even make sense. Because if you think about it, if you pull Akaino <laughs> into you and he just turns into magma, yes, you can technically touch him. But the Logia, the Yami Yami no Mi doesn't protect you like that. Mm-hmm. So you can't just pull him in a close range and then not assume he's going to just launch a bunch of fucking magma at you at point blank range. Mm-hmm. So, so it doesn't really let him get away with what he would want to do. Yeah, there, there's, a reason, there's a reason he tried he to get Ace's Ace power then. first. There's a reason he wanted Ace's power first. There's a reason he wanted Ace's power first. There's a reason that he was content with just taking Whitebeard's power and leaving. There's a mm-hmm. reason for that. Come on, why, why, come on, fuck, again, forget Shanks being there, excuse the, the cursing, but like, he could have just wiped everybody out at that moment. He had all the power to wipe out the Marines in that very moment. He could have oh. wiped out every single pirate and every single Marine there and just blinked them out of existence with those two food powers. And the fact that also one thing that I will say is that the fact that Sengoku was canceling out his quakes with just shockwaves from the Hito Hitonomi model Buddha mm-hmm. is another reason why I think that like the Conqueror's hockey waves are going to be coming into a play here. Mm-hmm. Like just to mirror that fight with like Buddha and both using human human fruits that are tied to deities that are mythical mm-hmm. zones, which Luffy being a zone does justify a lot of what's happened throughout the series, especially his recovery time. Now, I do have a question, though, because it does get firmly established that zone fruits have their own will, which justifies all I was the gonna stuff. Bring like, up, I was going to bring up from page, um, I think it was it page four and five about that government conversation, because that has a lot of questions, because they already said that in every era, the work government has attempted to recover the gum gum fruit, and not once has it ever succeeded for eight hundred years. In eight hundred so years. So I'm like, so a minute. So in my head, I'm like, wait a minute. So you knew Nico Robin was inside the Straw Hats group back in Ennis Lobby, and you asked Rob Lucci to grab Nico Robin. You already had them at the gate of hell to grab Luffy too, and you knew that he had the gum gum fruit. So I'm like. Why didn't you just grab his ass too and just brought him to the KFL? They did not expect. So here's what it is. Here's here's my understanding. So like, I'm gonna give you. That's my question to the work. The power has has existed before, has manifested and has not produced Joy Boy in 800 years. I don't think Luffy's the first person to have the gum gum um, in 800 years. I think he's the first person to manifest it to this extent. So what I think they were hoping for and what was reasonable was that eventually Luffy would have just phased out or he would have capped at a certain point. Maybe they make him a Yonko. That's why that system was there. And they would have been able to control Luffy. I think that's what they were aiming for, which is why you see this whole thing that's happening, which, which again, unfortunately for them, leads to the awakening of Joy Boy is they were like, wait a minute. He's kind of getting too strong. And he clearly has zero intent of being submissive to anybody. This isn't what we were going for. We need to take them out. Matter of fact, if we can kill both of them at the same time, if we get rid of Kaido, Big Mom, and we get rid of the the worst gen, extra bonus for us. We can reset the world. And like my my bro keeps saying, people keep forgetting that the Marines are corrupt. There's two different factions of the Marines right now. The Marines aren't even a solid single entity. They never have been actually for a long time. Like we've exactly. been introduced to them. And also, real quick, because you brought something up, and like when you talk about, because they were gonna annex Wano if Kaido and Big Mom fell. But 
specifically one of the things that I'm thinking about here is that if you before the reverie, like when you get around like the fifth emperor or somewhere like that, Shanks is like, we can meet again. Then during the reverie, he's like, I need to tell you about a certain pirate. And it kind of seems like Shanks knew the importance of the gum gum fruit and told on Luffy. And that, that does feel like where this is going. But that does raise a question of if Shanks is going to try to meet Luffy because he's going to try to get the fruit back. But another small symbol that I wanted to point out is that Wano is based off Japan, the land of the rising sun. And this is the arc and the country in which we get to see Luffy embody the sun god, mm-hmm. which Wano was supposed to be a love letter to the Japanese fan base also. So it's like all these small details coming together to make like the justification for that deification. And I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Do we all know what, um, what, what Japan translates to? The actual name Japan, Nihon, translates to? Go, go ahead and look that up. Again, it's, it's like you said, it's, it's this it's innate callback to the love of you know this this land <clears throat> and and like people said the the thing is i don't know how long or when oda started researching this but there's a lot of deep rooted a lot of deep 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 rooted connection and research that was done and that's what he takes his from the and that's what I love beginning about it. from the beginning and inception of this story there has been a great deal of research there has been a concept guy island sitting there forever oh man sky island please please bring back my boy and please please bring him so one, one thing that i'll say is that one of my favorite things to say about one piece is that it's secret it's just it's not actually a pirate manga it's a yakuza mom, m- manga with a pirate aesthetic and this is one of those things that when you look more into like how the yakuza operates just as a fun thing because i was reading an article and like looking at some of this stuff um the Yakuza recently fr- like frauded like Wells Fargo Bank for like $400 million on a loan back in like 2016. Because when you deal with j- Japanese businesses, you have to basically check every potential company tied to it. Because anytime a Yakuza company borrows money from you, you will not get paid back. What they usually do is they just go and recruit money from the other people to pay you back. So you make sure your other loans get paid on time. Exactly. (laughs) So it's like, they'll make all your other loans get paid back on time, but any money you give them is gone. And that's just kind of how it's been. But like, when you look at the way that like Whitebeard works, the fact that they do the exchange of the cups, it's always been a very Japanese series. And Mm -hmm. the cup exchange is all about the Oyabon, like the top leader of the Yakuza in that area. And the way they would Um, actually like build up towns and small businesses and have legitimate business fronts, similar to how Whitebeard has farms and all that other mm-hmm. stuff in his territory so it's like the animal are... tribe the two top leaders being a, a neko and a inu yeah the the transforming to the moon it's, it's a there, there is just so much I... things present every his... single everything every step is intentional his name every is step Nika, is the sun god every character is intentional the name of every character is intentional like Again, like even a simpler one, Frankie Frankenstein experimenting on self, like transforming it. Guys, like it's literally everything. Like this man, I don't know when he has time to even be a normal human being. (laughs) I just don't understand because it's clearly his life work. One piece is his life work. It is. And I can't wait to see what other you brought up, Kina, right now about this, um, about the moon. Right now, we're running a focus on the sun. His name is Nika the Sun God, which mm-hmm. 
I love the name. I can't wait for people to try to to try to mispronounce and say the other type of N word because it's gonna it, it's gonna it, happen. It's coming. It's coming. It's, yeah, it's gonna it's, happen. That's why I'm like surprised. Uh, I'm surprised the internet didn't break already from that, but I'm glad it didn't. Um, but but yeah, no, I, the, I promise you, Eclipse being the symbolism of um of a, a cataclysmic uh, destruction or the releasing of or the unlocking of treasures. There's so much things here that that come into play um, based off of the dynamics that are finally kind of cemented. The sunny goal. Come on, guys, guys. Yeah. guys. The thousand oh, sunny. My, my, my sword, my sword, my, the, the, the thousand, the thousand. It's been 800 years since the thousand sunny. Like, that, that was one of the things that I was going to talk about in the, my, uh, the video that I wanted to do a while ago and just didn't get around to it, but it was basically like, Sun God Nika, do the answers lie in Egypt? And one of the things that this highlights is that if you look at a lot of, like, for example, Nami is very similar to the Egyptian goddess Bast, and that she's yes. a cat burglar, she has weather powers. Um, Zoro is, with the hands. Yeah, Zoro is actually similar to an Egyptian god, one that's a lot lesser known, but one known as Soktu. And Sotdu was a deity that was supposed to guard the pharaoh's tomb, more specifically the pharaoh's teeth, or in this case, Luffy's smile. And mm -hmm. his symbol was a triangle, so the three shapes, three, three swords forming the triangle yeah, three of the thousand. guardian person who protects Luffy's smile, more or less. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, you have like people like Frankie, and then, like, of course, you can kind of start slotting in different deities because One Piece is a globe-trotting story. It's just mm -hmm. that when you look at that base, that scar under Luffy's eye, reminiscent of Horus, it, mm -hmm. it kind of all comes together. And the, you think about how the like main, the main crew is definitively Egyptian lore inspired. I'm not saying that parts of the rest of the world, in, but definitively, even Jimbe, those first three, even Jimbe, even Jimbe. Yep, definitively, which is why I tell people I would not be surprised if Enru ended up joining back and ended up becoming a part of the Straw Hats. That is not just my in-head fantasy. Like there is there. I have a reason for I have not that. heard that one. I have, I have a reason. That it's, it's, it's my theory. That's why you haven't heard it. <laughs> I, I'm I'm meta. I'm meta now. Um, no, but like there, I, I like I said, I think there's a reason again that Carrot has to join the crew. I think that's the next person that has to join the crew because. Luffy needs the races. Um, like three I guys, was gonna see long arms. Like, those yes. are all just different types of humans. Mm -hmm. But we need, uh, like, I kind of want us to have a meek. I want us to have, <laughs> and by extension, you know, Same he's got Hyrudin. Yeah. He's mm -hmm. got Hyrudin, so he already has a giant, technically. He has a crew mm -hmm. of giants that work under him, even mm -hmm. if it wasn't his choice to make them do that. Yeah, he has Grand Fleet, of course. The Grand, yeah, within the Grand Fleet, because you also have that long leg, long arm tribe, boxing, like that fighting club mm -hmm. that is under Luffy now. He has people of royalty, like Cavendish was a prince. He has that. Multiple princesses and princes, like... And that's the other thing, he's like, Wano is Luffy's territory after this part. Hell yes. Yeah, because he's, he, he's the guardian. It's been his territory. He's been trying to unintentionally and intentionally, he's been saying, I will be the vanguard of this place. Without ever saying it, he's been saying, I will be the Odin of this place. So I will be I will be the protector of the people. Luffy's always been the 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 protector of the people because he's just always been about what he feels is the right thing to do. And so you got it, it's like you got that territory, you know, Bartolomeo, uh, Bartolomeo, Bartolomeo? Or, took. Yeah, let's just call him Bartholomew. 
<laughs> took his uh <laughs> took territory from Shanks for him. Mm-hmm. And we know that Fishman Island was straight up like, oh, Luffy yeah. ran through Big Mom's territory. It's all time to Fishman. rip the set. Like all of Fishman is Straw Hat. The whole like it's Straw Hat Underwater City. That's what it's called now. The first <laughs> son of the sea joint, and that's what you got now. It's like, oh damn, Jimbei's with them. I guess that's where we at. Like yeah, it just know, makes sense. Like people read the arcs by there. arcs and not the stories as a one continuation moving as like uh, I forgot who said it. Uh I, I think it was Rayleigh or I forgot who was it, but Rayleigh or somebody was explaining Nami how when you get out the water sprout and you go to the next island, each story connects to another. Where each of the straw has chopper and everyone else they are fine. It connects, like it brought up. Chopper, when he went to his big form as a giant, Chopper has never gone to that form. So, of course, he don't understand how to use a giant form. So, each mm-hmm. form, like Luffy, Gear Third, like you brought Kenny, everything connects. At first, I've rewatched One Piece like six times when it was up to 600 or 700 episodes back then years ago. Mm-hmm. Now, up to 1,144 chapters. Me rewatching it up to Third of Bark. I have seen and noticed things now on on this rewatch with my girl than I than I have done any rewatch before because you notice things that's been foreshadowed. Yeah, because it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't important. Everything. It wasn't important then. Like there, there there was no reason for you as the as the audience. It was no reason for us as the audience to deem it important in the moment of watching it. For those of us who have been like, oh wait, I like people that have been just actively recalling that stuff. It's been like, oh shit. I kind of remember this and I, oh yeah that was kind of a thing but like again this is again the tie back to Oda being the goat and there's a reason a that one you. piece is 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 outselling Batman and about to surpass Superman in, in sales there's a reason for that and yet y'all still asking why people waste their time reading one piece I'm sorry y'all read Naruto y'all watched all these other things y'all watched Grey's Anatomy but got a problem with one piece just and, say you don't want to read it and move on. We don't got to talk about it. Here's my question. One thing quick. to add. Uh, wait, I just want to say to what Kenny just brought up. It's crazy because I think it was it Anika brought up in the beginning. <clears> and <throat> how people that don't read One Piece last week start to tweet about One Piece or start to discuss about One Piece. But I'm like, wait, so you're going to talk about One Piece now because all about the Joy Boy stuff that brought up after many type of theories later, you're going to finally yep. jump back on One Piece wagon. So I'm like, in my head, I'm like, fuck. So this is how it's going to be once the one piece of the reveal or, you know, once the laughs are real, everyone that be like, oh, I never read it, but now I'm a binge it because just because of this hype ass moment. I'm like, no, like just read it because you have the interest. Yes. You know, hype moments are there, but how are you going to read a hype moment without the context, without mm-hmm. the actually backstory of what you just read? Mm-hmm. It's hype for us, you know, me, Anik, Kenny. Sam or anybody has read One Piece for years or months or weeks. If you just read the story, you hype for that moment. But if you just mm-hmm. didn't read it because you took a break, but you read the hype moment just because it was hype, how does yeah, that you, entertain? You're missing, you're missing pieces. Also, like someone said someone's like, oh, someone, everyone keeps saying that, um, you know, it takes 300 episodes to get good. And I was like, you are clearly asking people that don't like One Piece. If you're trying to get interested in One Piece, ask people that like One Piece. Yeah, One Piece is good for me. I just reread the first like 10 chapters recently. It's good from chapter one. People talk about it being slow paced. It's not slow paced. There are parts, I will say, as it gets into it, that aren't as fun as others. Every story is like that. 
anyway, Aniki, you had a question. I'm sorry. Oh, because just because I was looking at it, like the awakening and stuff like that, like I said, like pop back to last chapter, which I like the fact that we didn't spend too much time trying to have all these other characters fight and be exhausted, especially in the case of like Law and Kid and like Sanji, like just let them stay rested, mm-hmm. but like give that moment of fear and, and Marco kind of protecting I mean, even that, but we are on a timer. And one of the things that kind of threw me off last chapter, and I think it it's kind of highlighted a bit this chapter too, is that Momo stopped pulling Onigashima. Yeah, I saw that. I noticed that. And that made me question, like, why? And I've seen people be like, maybe we'll get the, uh, like, he'll bounce it back. But at the same, at this point, I'm like, man, I don't even know if that'll work. Because that's still a bunch of force hitting the city. And, like, obviously, because it's tomb physics, he can make it work that way. But the idea of Luffy having enough mastery over his awakening that he can turn the whole island rubbery so that it doesn't destroy, like, the flower capital doesn't completely seem feasible. So do you kind of think that that might be what Zunisha is ultimately here for, is to just be like, thank you. I'm going to set this down now. So there, there's a question that I saw that could connect to what you're saying, Aniki. It said, with a theory, do you really think Roger found the One Piece? Yeah, I saw, like, I was reading that, and I... So... I think I think the question is why y'all think One Piece is what y'all think it is. That's the real question for me. One of the most interesting theories I've seen on the One Piece is the idea that it's just <clears> a <throat> bunch of sake, uh, and it's specifically <laughs> like an eight hundred year brew, and it's supposed to be made for a party because the, one of Luffy's big goals is to have a big party, and he's like, "There's no point doing these adventures if I don't get the party." Blah blah blah, because if you look at chapters nine nine ninety nine and one thousand, its name. The sake I brewed with you, Straw Hat Luffy. And so they're like, what if that's the final thing, like to get the One Piece? And what I don't think the One Piece is what anybody in the story seems to think it is. I don't think it's a treasure that is valuable for its monetary worth. I don't think it's, you know, about necessarily having a giant weapon. I don't think it's any of those things. I think it, I think it contains the history of the void century I, because we've, we've been told there's like 30 poneglyphs and we haven't put enough effort into collecting all the poneglyphs for me to believe that that's not going to matter. But also, like we have to get that payoff because there's only four road pon- poneglyphs and there's what, like 30 of them? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This, so if there's 30 poneglyphs, we have <clears throat> the rest of what these are for anyway. Most of them are collected somewhere, though. And, yeah, and we are we are aware that the the world government has a a, a quantity uh, on this undisclosed quantity of them already. So we know more that... copies of them, and we know that some of them should be destroyed. If I'm not mistaken, a couple of them should not be in in actual existence anymore. They're supposed to be indestructible. Because if you remember, the mm-hmm. only reason why when uh... I when I say not in existence, I don't mean like broken. I mean like unaccessible, not in existence. Oh, I guess like, like unaccessible would be a better way of saying it. Like so. just dropped. Yeah from the top yes. of like the red line yeah. into, which that's another thing that i've just real quick because it never gets talked about enough but couldn't you in theory get to lodestar by getting to the top of the red line of of reverse mountain and then and go the opposite launching? side yes like i've always thought about direction. that like instead of I going think, up and then i think it's not possible 
based off of the way the current is supposed to flow. But I also always wondered why not. Yeah, because I'm like, gravity feel like, it this way. I so feel like that's that might be one of those key things that were just left that way because our goal was to see our crew go in a direction. Yeah. So there was no need to focus on going the opposite way with it. But that might be a very, very key point later on. Because or, the way I look at it is the government made it happen where you cannot go the other way, where you, people could only go one way. So maybe it was the government power that they did something with that. Because mm-hmm. think about the Sunny real quick, specifically. If they wanted to, they could just turn on the front cannon, not use stabilizers. And if they got to the top of reverse mountain with that, fly off and fly then off. start falling straight down. And like you can worry about like the fear of destruction and all that other stuff but where we're at now luffy could probably just wrap his legs around the entire ship and hold it and like slowly stretch down as it gets pulled and then still land safely so i'm like there's got to be a little extra something to do with the the reverse mountain like maybe even the key to getting to lodestar and beyond that isn't about like the whatever laugh tale However, it's going beyond that and going under Reverse Mountain, just like you go under Fishman, like under Marijuana to get to Fishman Island. <clears throat> and when you get to Reverse Mountain, there's something like something like a cave structure mm. or something like that. There may under there may be a space, another space that does it that exists that we don't even understand. There might be a space in between the spaces and the spaces, and I'm not even trying to say that to like be funny. Like it just there just might yeah. be a whole other plane of existence that is being blocked. Um, kind of like like uh, Vash was saying very intentionally, but I ain't gonna hold y'all. I'm looking at the time and I'm wondering, anybody got any final thoughts on the chapter? Yeah, oh, I, was, yeah uh, I, I definitely got to do some other stuff too. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I was I was gonna do that segue. So I appreciate Kenny for that, but it just it just shows how well in depth this chapter was, and it shows how much older has been for Shani. Because I've hear from content creators of France and from people in the timeline that. Wano has been up or down pacing this, but I'm like, I hate it when people just view the parts or just view the arc, but don't view the whole story as a picture. Like each arc sets up for the past of what happened and also sets up the present and also sets up the future. That's how storytelling is made. And that's how I see it. And I know other people see it as the one piece of the whole. So I appreciate what this chapter did. And it makes us ask more questions from what we have been told in this chapter about the government, about the 800 years, you know, gum gum through, but then there's more to it. And I love how every time we have, we have tried to theorize about the moon, about the sun, and now we find the name of, about Joe Boy, about the sun guy. Like, it just makes more questions about the one piece itself. So it just brings up that more of a hype. Um. Last thing I want to say about it is just this, in theory, like my, my stance is you don't have to love the goofiness of Gear 5, but don't pretend like it doesn't make sense for One Piece, especially not for who like Luffy's character has been. And the one thing that I, oh, this is the one thing that I, I kind of want people to think about, but I don't think we necessarily have to sit here and ponder it all heavy because we know that all Zone Devil Fruits have free will which we yep. see that like when the awakened ones and impel down to me, it's very likely that their devil fruits took over the personality more. And that's why they were so simple minded. Now, my question for you, 
and for the audience just to think about going <clears throat> forward is has the Luffy we've always known largely been Nika or is Nika very similar to Luffy and it hasn't mattered as a result because um, I think it's either the way I think it's the latter more so than the former yeah I think it's the, the latter, latter more so than the former um and I don't think <clears throat> I don't think I don't foresee Joy Boy overtaking Luffy I'll say it like that same with my answer because we have seen Luffy's flashback and Luffy has always has been reckless we have seen Luffy has always uh you know trying to connect to people like with Ace like with Sabo we have seen Luffy uh when he first got his fruit that he was wrecked with his fruit but he wanted to continue trying to fight so it showed and when he wasn't even aware of gear two gear three and he was just with Zoro and others he was his laughing self all the time so it showed that even with Shanks when he didn't eat the fruit yet he has he has a crybaby or coward to some extent but he wanted to do the best he can now that he has the fruit now that we know about Nika, the sun god, we know about Luffy having very similarities because it's interesting how Kaido didn't even react. He just said, oh, I do apologize about that idiot. So Kaido knows something and sees that they're both very similar, but very different personality as who was before. It was Luffy and now this is Nika, the sun god. So Kaido did notice that there's a difference. Yeah, um, I, I think, like I said, I think I, I was kind of alluding to it earlier that I, I feel like there is some type of unity. I think there's a reason that, I don't think the gum gum no food has manifested joy in 800 years for a reason. I think Luffy is a very particular and peculiar type of person and entity. And it took that personality, that certain descendants and lineage, and this timing for all of it to happen. I would like us to kind of flush out more how people like Roger felt that this person was coming so soon. Because it seems like even the world government, I feel it's like this prediction thing, we can't, we got to go back to the whole prediction thing you know, why, why was it foretold? And, you know, again, what's, what are the governments, what is that other dirt that the government and the world government is holding onto? You know, so like, for me, like, like I said, I think, I think Luffy is Luffy. I think Luffy is Luffy. I think Joy Boy, <clears throat> Joy Boy has revealed itself um, in some manner, shape or form. Um, again, you talk about, like you said, they having their own will. So Joy Boy being the will of the devil fruit itself um, I, I think that that is also just like I said, I think there's some type of duality there. I just I don't see Luffy being overrided by it in any kind of way, shape or form. I'm also super curious because of that, what the kickback, if any, might be from accessing this power and how easily Luffy gets back to doing this. Because typically when Luffy unlocks something, he just has it. He gets better at it and the kickback decreases. But typically, like it's it's like I said, it's just like he, he unlocks it. He has it. Is this going to be the same way? Or does Luffy need to get beat within an inch of his life again or pass an inch of his life? You know, what, what, are the, what are the ramifications for it? We've seen what it takes to unlock each of the other gears. We've never actually innately seen a gear be effectively activated like this. 
So it's going to be very interesting to see the the kind of post results of what Gear 5 is to Luffy. And that's actually a good point, because <clears throat> one of the things that I was wondering is like, man, what if Luffy never having thought bubbles was partially a manifestation of he doesn't need to think because his own fruit has will of own. So even if he doesn't think, it doesn't matter. Like he'll always be able to do something. And with how this has gone, we saw like with the awakening for Kid and Law that it was like, this is a heavy stamina consumption thing. But mm -hmm. in the case of Zone users, their fruits tend to give them extra endurance, extra, extra stamina. Right. And while Luffy's words say like, don't sweat it, let's finish this up. And he's like, I can fight a bit longer, I believe is what he says. Let's yes, yeah. find it. a bit longer. Yep. So it's like, there's clearly some kind of timer Mm -hmm. um so it, it's a matter of how this is going to be handled going forward because that's part of why like my gear six gear seven chopper has seven points i feel like it would make the most sense if we hit at least six because you mm -hmm. could argue that his base form is gear one or no stretching is gear zero gear one is him being regular stretchy gear two gear three gear four gear five gear six and that would still be seven points total mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh but the fact that we haven't seen it like outside of the when the conqueror's hockey was just exploding everywhere we haven't seen him use it yet in this form makes me kind of feel like we got to see just a little more out of him and then maybe see kaido's awakening too Mm -hmm. And then when we see Kaido pull out Awakening, if, Luffy will if, have his hockey back. If, if Kaido if, has Awakening. If Kaido, if Kaido has, awakening. has Awakening. Yeah, Kaido has other, displayed the other thing is The other thing is, remember that Kaido isn't, isn't affected specifically by hockey. There's a whole other technique that had to be learned for Luffy to be able to even touch him. Yeah. So again, it, the, the, the idea that hockey isn't even necessarily the most important factor in this current form the same thing we talked about, like when we saw Luffy looking lifeless, like he didn't fully disengage himself. That's why, again, there's like a lot of people was like, Luffy's dead. And it's like, right, why would you think Luffy was dead there? But that's neither here nor there. Like I said, I, I, I agree with you fully on that point. There's more to be seen, period, from this form. And one of the things that people said, and I agree with you, is like, uh, they were like, this chapter seemed to indicate who had good observation hockey. Because you notice like, Sanji is the first person we see like sitting up like hold up wait a minute and you have like kid That's law <laughs> yeah like then you have like kid law and uh old man Kyogro which it looks like he's back to his old man form and not in the big buff form anymore yes yep and he's not uh, dead because I thought he was going to be dead along with Marco and they're all like huh all right I, I, I sense something popping and then we cut to Kaido like kind of being like wait what's going on up there so mm -hmm. it, it there's clearly more to come and i kind of expect it, even if he doesn't name it gear six i think the hockey but like we have to get one more clash of their wills because hockey is supposed to be their will and this mm -hmm. is a story about overcoming other people's wills and the wills of tyrants and like having your own freedom and it just mm -hmm. wouldn't be right to not also hit that point and i'm guessing we were all just like rip bozo when orochi died because we didn't really touch, touch that at all Oh, I didn't give a fuck about Roach. That's why I didn't even bring yeah. it up. And yeah, I didn't either. That, so you like, said yeah. you said a Roach died? They killed a Roach? <laughs> I missed it. <laughs> With that, though, um, I assume, like, the last 
the last segment we bring up on Shonen Rona is what's chapter of the week. I assume for yeah, it was One Piece, or because for me it was One Piece. I'm gonna just be straight up and honest that my chapter of the week was One Piece. I'm trying to, because on one hand I always get spoiled on One Piece, so it's harder to evaluate it for me because I'm like, mm, I got spoiled on this already. But at the same time, I do think One Piece is like the biggest payoff this week by far. Mm-hmm. Because we kind of talked about how like JJK set up that really huge, oh cool. And then it was like, all right, I'm I'm not mad about it per se, but that other stuff would have been cool. And like my hero was set up, and the same thing very much Something applies to very much, very much similar across all three of them being a very transitional setup type of chapter. Um, so yeah, I would categorically, I'm glad we were able to talk about One Piece today because it was the chapter of the week for me, for sure. Yes, same here. Like, for me, we we, we haven't talked about One Piece on Shonen in like a full type of chapter review, so it's nice to talk about it. If it happens next week, awesome. If it don't, no promises on that. But chapter of the week for me was One Piece, even though I was like tiny bit for and it kind of mo- motivated me to read and catch up to the last 40 or 80 chapters I was behind on. But it did motivate me to see what was going on that I was left out of. And it was hype moments, great moments, good character moments, and everything that was building up to Onigashima, the rooftop, and what's going on overall in Wano. So to see what Joe Boy in the whole conversation that has been going on over One Piece for the past 20 years and what this leads up to and ask more questions about the world government, about, about Devil Fruits, that, that maybe Joe Boy put himself inside the devil fruit like just there's so many there's now more because of this chapter and the past two and everything so it's just very intriguing so for me it's a one piece was definitely chapter week for sure so aniki it was it's been a while for you here so give your plugs where can people find you where can people uh, you know pray and go see the priests of the church you can always find me at Aniki Smash FSP, whether that's on YouTube or you want to look me up on uh, Twitter. Same thing. I, I think I have the same name on Instagram, but I post way less on IG. So if you're actually looking for content, you always want to be following either Twitter or YouTube, primarily focusing on my hero. I do have quite a few ideas that I do need to just go ahead and make the videos for it and like sit down and get some time for it because I'm pretty sure I figured out how curse, te- uh, curse techniques are made in JJK. Got some stuff I want to talk about with law and just in general. So want to do some more stuff. Don't want to be pigeonholed on just my hero, though. I, I think we can, as you guys can see, anybody who's watching now, we can discuss a variety of series just because I happen to focus on one, which really that's because uh, I don't know if you've noticed this, but for as big as my hero is, there's only it doesn't like, make a lot of views. It, it, it doesn't have a lot of views, but also there's not a lot of big content creators that like are centered on my hero which in turn means that my hero doesn't get as much like actual deep diving as it actually deserves as a series partially also because the japanese aspect of manga and like the cultural relevance with like that's in it is often slept on by western audiences where we kind of reduce things to the lens that we can see it like and then my hero is especially a victim of that because people kind of go well we know hori likes star wars and we know he likes Marvel so that's the primary focus that we're going to look at that and just kind of see it that way so a lot of the underpinnings of the cultural stuff get missed so if you like that kind of content definitely want to check it out if you want to see what I'm really cooking with on a rapid run then just go on Twitter and check my pin give you an idea of some of the stuff we talk about yep go check Anarchy 
the Church of Mitchell and check the future content that he'll be bringing. Check and shout out to Project Manga. They was here um, on the chat. So big shout out to them. Kenny, where can the people go find you and what else you do? Yes, yes, yes. Um, You can follow me on all social medias. That includes TikTok and Quirk Chat at KendallXAnime, K-E-N-D-A-L-L-X Anime. And you can also follow the Conquer Movement. Uh, we, we, we out here. There's more things to come. Y'all gonna have more handles soon. Y'all gonna be sick of me. Watch. Definitely for sure. So guys, you can find me at Glengity Vash everywhere else. I do production. I have a light. I do Shonorona on Sundays. I'm sometimes on the anime podcast. If not, I'm on the Seaforce Villains. If not, I'm a plan to do reactions again, depending on Sam's time with him or by myself on the anime lately uh, YouTube side. So you'll be seeing reactions for this burning anime. And then me and Sam will be making time to catch up to the old animes. But it will be <coughs> and Hunter Center soon as well. Once mm. Abe starts to learn some editing, I will have him edit those videos because I do plan to do Hunter x Hunter reactions. If the manga ever comes back in like in 2025, then maybe that too as well. So who knows on that? But other than that, it was great to have Kenny, Kendall himself here, and Aniki Smash. I appreciate you guys being here. And that'll be Glad it for the stream. See you guys the next one next week. Later. <laughs>